Now entering Nerdist.com. Thanks for tuning in to Jonah Ray. Dio can't make it tonight because he is performing at uh, a porn shop on Santa Monica Boulevard, <laughs> filling in for me. Uh, our guest tonight is Bobcat Goldweed. Please, everybody, welcome him after this theme song. Simon Rusty. Is that who did that? Yeah, the band was called Family History. And do you have a? a, I apologize for being a friend, and but it'd be weird. I don't expect you to listen to this. I don't expect anybody to. But if I listen to your show and I was your friend, then it's just creepy. I think so. So, But so, do you? This is Bobcat Gold. Oh hi, yeah. This is and this is my real voice. Now, so (laughs) did folks uh, send in? theme song yeah yeah there we've had a good handful uh i think two of them have been uh playable but you know for the most (laughs) part that that was very good but at the very beginning i like i really thought it was the shags and then it like tuned into something you think it started off more like the shags and then yeah didn't you think it sounded yeah i think so shaggerific oh jesus (laughs) i really didn't mean to go there (laughs) i wasn't wasn't, yeah baby It was oh, great. You know, the first Austin Powers movie wasn't uh, a blockbuster, and the the cult of that movie and the, the all that stuff came out when the set, when it hit like uh, television and and, yeah. and video. So it was a sleeper hit in the theaters, I believe. Yeah, yeah, but it wasn't like a, a blockbuster. No, it, it was okay. I remember like a, and just it's two that was huge. Really, because. I hosted a little TV show called Bobcat's Big Ass Show. It was really terrible. Was, I don't remember this. Yeah, it was on FX. It was Fox without the O at that time. <laughs> it was before they had good television shows on FX, and uh, they had this game show that I hosted. It was terrible. But um, the funny thing was, is that uh, and they, I, I was kind of skinny, and I was wearing nutty outfits on, and I was wearing Mike Myers' apparel from the first. Austin Powers. Really? Often. Yeah. Wow. That's that was crazy. Just, you could just get it. I mean, it was really weird. And then it became a Halloween costume. And I'm like, I, I have that shit in my closet from the show. Really, it was really weird. Did, how, how often did you say, yeah, baby? Not that much. I, I made it my own. I made it. Also, the fact that I realized how we jumped into this conversation is because you said the band The Shags. Yeah. And right. went into Shag. I think you even, didn't even say Shagadug. I think it said Shagarific. Shagarific. I wasn't really going to go. <laughs> you're, you're the, you're you're the Austin Powers B team. Uh, yes. Shagarific lady. Yeah. yeah. It's like when you want to actually buy that Halloween costume and it's not quite it's Austin not quite Powers. us. Yeah. It's kind of off brand. Yeah. It's yeah. a national yeah. national it's, man of of mystery. Yeah. Lubbock Powers. <laughs> Other <laughs> Lubbock Powers. Lubbock Powers is uh, yeah, his brother. Yeah, Lubbock Powers just does seem like it would just be some kind of company in Lubbock, Texas. Yeah. Now, now, or the uh, ABA team from there. You know, he he claims uh, Mike Myers claims that he based that character on um, Peter Asher, Asher and Go- uh, Peter and Gordon. Does this ring any bells? No, no. no I thought it was after uh, the Let- Flint movies. Yeah. 
That was the, the, the villain was based after oh, Lord Michael's right. yeah, yeah, voice, yeah. but the but the uh, Peter and Gordon were uh, uh, you know they had a couple hits in the in the sixties seventies. They showed up on the Dick Van Dyke show, but Peter Asher. And then Paul McCartney wrote uh, some songs for them. Oh, wow. But Peter went on to become a huge producer, produced a lot of albums like Linda Ronstadt's and James Taylor's and stuff. He's he's my friend. But if you look at pictures of Peter from that period, he it, it is him. You know? Really? Yeah, yeah. The it, well, you know, goofy teeth and the bangs and the, and the, and the horn room How glasses. did you know him? How do I know Peter? Uh... I think I met Peter. I met Peter through through uh, through my my friend Mork. You know, through, yes. through my relationship with Robin Williams. I guess that's how I know Peter. <laughs> <laughs> I, I can't wait for your book, me and Mork. Mork and I. <laughs> yeah, Mork. Mork and I. The the yeah. Bobcat. Uh, you know what? I call him Mork, and I say it to his face. <laughs> never once did he call me Zed. <laughs> He's never called me Zed. Take on the high road. No, he he's never seen those movies. <laughs> it's like me and, and Jonah in this this podcast. <laughs> it's fine. I you know I don't expect anybody to listen to this. Like even like uh, sometimes Kumel, our friend Kumel, will say like, uh, "Oh, I was listening to the Nerdist," and I'd be like, "Why would you do that?" Yeah, well, but the slant of this show is what like like what's you know everybody's got an angle. What's your angle? On we talk show? about hot jams. You do talk about tunes? Yeah, kind of. Yeah. We do. We talk about the hottest <laughs> tunes this side of the Mississippi. Oh, good. I'm glad you stopped that. <laughs> oh, he was supposed to do it again. But what's the... What is, he, he's never been able to get how that fucking bit works. Oh, okay. Sorry. I'll pick it up next time, I swear. Yeah. You know how the actual song goes, right? Does it a couple times? Nope. Not yet. No. You gotta, yeah, you gotta hit the rip. It's three, three to one. Three to one? Yeah. I don't know what that is. I think it's, it's three, like... Three, one, two, three, one. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I think it's... Uh, yeah, I can't hear that music without really thinking like kids in diapers with sunglasses <laughs> or... Problem children? Yeah. Or, you know, like maybe a, a commercial. Yeah. You know, but bad to the bone... It's it, always just a baby. What right? is the George... Well, or or a dog thing, but, but there's a George Thurgood quote about that song or no about uh, and i can't remember who he was talking to and he said the problem is is you think too much about how good the song's gonna sound and i always think about how good i'm gonna look playing it (laughs) 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 and i wish i could remember who the other person was that he that he that he said that but that that chop is 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 I mean, well, it's a lot of songs, but I yeah, mean, it is uh, "Manish Boy" or "I'm a Man" or whatever you want to call it. I'm a man. Now, when I was growing up, I grew up with Tom Kenny, who is um, SpongeBob SquarePants. Name drop again. Uh, <laughs> Do you call him SpongeBob when he's uh, no? I don't. You just call <laughs> him. You call him Mark as well. I call him Mark. I yeah, call yeah. him all Mark. Oh, that makes enough. it easy. Yeah. yeah. No. So, so Tommy and I have known each other since we were six, and when we went to Catholic school and. He was obsessed with Muddy Waters, and, and he wanted to know what uh, a mojo was, because, you know, I got my mojo work yeah. in that song. And, yeah. And so, it, and he actually went to the priest. Like, we made a fun thing of it. We were in the library. This is before the interwebs. <laughs> yeah. Trying to find mojo. No luck. Asked everybody we went. So we're teenagers, and we would sneak into bars and go see bands and stuff. So we saw Muddy Waters. And then after the show, it was like snowing. It's in Syracuse, New York. And... 
Tommy's got a, an album of Muddy Waters, an old album, and 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 his real name is uh, McKinley. So Tom Kenny goes Muddy McKinley. Yes, Muddy McKinley. <laughs> Tom Kenny's son Mac is named after uh, Muddy Waters. Oh, really? Yeah. So he goes, he goes, Mister McKinley. Uh, uh, you know, he signed this and he signs it, and 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 then and then he starts peeing, and that's the wall. <laughs> and Tom Kenny goes, "Wait, he Tom goes, Kenny well, or? well, no, uh, Muddy Waters." First, he goes, he goes, "Mr. McKinley goes, why? Well, and I have not heard that name in a long time." And he says, "He says what? I what's a mojo? You know?" And and, uh, and he says, "Oh, I don't rightly know." <laughs> That's it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, and Tom Kenny goes, "Is that your mojo?" He points to Muddy's lob because he's peeing. <laughs> and he says, "He says, young man, I got my mojo working." <laughs> so it was really, it, it was perfect. It was, uh, uh, and then we, we took a picture next to the pee, <laughs> and we all uh, laughed. And it was really strange, but. Um, I see an, uh, uh, an Austin Powers theme going. There's a second. <laughs> Back to Mojo. Back yeah, to exactly. Austin Powers. Uh, well, uh, our guest is going to be Bobcat Goldby hanging out with us all night. We're going to break for a song, uh, and then we'll come back and talk to about stuff some more. Uh, here is a uh, here is a song called "Constant Headache" off the new Joyce Manor album.
coffee instead of the microphone. It shows you where my head's at tonight. <laughs> I have the I had the mic on my crotch, <laughs> and I assume people could hear me, <laughs> which is weird because I usually duck out of my ass. There's no switch. There's no on or off. Turn that up, Neil. Yeah, that was extremely quiet. Why are you turning it down at all? I made up the applause for the song. Did he have? There you go. Yes. And beware the. Oh, that sounds like we're at the meltdown. You know what I forgot to do? I forgot to do. It's been a few weeks off. I got to introduce everybody. What are you doing? trying to make the crickets stop. You press stop. No, apparently not. Really? Just press it again. Okay. Yeah, that's how you make stuff stop. You can just press it again, I think, or just fade. Oh. Anyway, our producer here for the general radio program is Cash Arsenal. Cash, raise your glass. That's a can. That's a glass. Uh, Neil Mahoney on the Neil Mahoney's. Neil hey, Mahoney. sorry about the other show. Everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Neil's not feeling too good about the last episode of Mahona Radio. The last episode. The last episode. Uh, apparently, they got into a large, long conversation about B vitamins. Yeah. <laughs> wow. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Well, we like welcome really back turning to my listeners. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> that shit's like Matt Myra's Phoebe kind of show. Like we we had a, like a fifteen minute conversation it. about folding shirts. Uh. That's not for this. <laughs> well, I was listening to the crickets, and uh, you know that they were in. Buddy Holly was recording. You're fucking one way. I noticed you played the sound of crickets. No, no, You know, Buddy Holly and the crickets. No, but we're in a garage right now, and they, they, that's where the name came from. They were recording, and there was crickets, and they go, hey, man, that's the, that's the name of the band. It's going to be Buddy Holly oh, and the really? crickets. Oh, really? And I was just thinking, like, what if there was, like, cows that were really loud next door? It would be Buddy Holly and the cows. <laughs> and he'd still be alive. He'd still be alive, yeah, because... Mm. Because he wouldn't have been successful. Ollie and the cows. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> also, my brother Adam's here. Adam, say hello. Sorry, Adam. Hello. It's that wit and charm that keeps the microphone away from you. <laughs> um, hello, ladies. <laughs> Adam's drinking early times whiskey, a whiskey out of a plastic bottle that's been on top of our fridge since the wedding night. That hasn't been touched. The wedding night. <laughs> yeah, that sounds that makes, dirty. Yeah, it makes it sound like you bought it for like your personal use in the in the consummation. Of yeah, the yeah, rituals. exactly. I need to I need to douse D in early times whiskey hey, to get yeah. any kind of feeling in my loins. Yeah. Yeah. Not, close on the list. Earliest, uh, earliest, cheapest whiskey. <laughs> it was the earliest whiskey. <laughs> you know the booze is good when you drop the bottle and it bounces. <laughs> It's the earliest yeah. whiskey. It's, it's a, breakfast time whiskey. Yeah. yeah. For, 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 it's for, like the Earl Grey. Yeah. Yes, the Earl Grey of whiskeys. Of whiskeys. I always find it so weird that they up. have like bottom shelf, you know, booze is always in plastic bottles and it's on the bottom shelf. They should put that on the top shelf so when yeah. it gets knocked over by some wino trying to get a fix. <laughs> just, but then it wouldn't be the, the name would be askew. It doesn't make any sense. Profits I'm thinking about. Profits. Profits would be top shelf. They should put the good booze in the plastic bottles because then like if you actually drop it, then you lose all that, you know, that fifty dollar vodka or you know That's or, true. True. That's you, true. You wouldn't be I don't upset. think and also I don't think fifty dollar like vodka plastic. people are the type to drop stuff. <laughs> yeah. I think well, yeah. What? I, I drop stuff. Yeah. Do you like fifty dollar vodka? No. I like forty dollar vodka. Give, I like giving vodka. it as gifts though. 
What? I like giving it his gifts, though. You sure do. Oh, yeah, that's right. I have a huge <laughs> novelty-sized bottle of vodka in my freezer. Is it a, a skull? <laughs> no, that's, that's good. I tried that. No, it is not good. Dan Aykroyd doesn't put his name on a product that's not good. Yeah, he doesn't. Yeah. Uh, he's, he's Blues Brothers 2000. Soul Man. <laughs> Do you guys remember Soul Man? No, what was Soul Man? Soul Man was his sitcom. Uh, I think it was oh, on ABC. He like wow. He, was a, uh, he wasn't a priest. He's he like was a, a minister. Yeah, yeah. Uh, rode a motorcycle. Single dad. Raising a couple of girls. <laughs> what is he going to get into? <laughs> yeah, what movie? Oh, Soul yeah. Man with Robert Sean Leonard, where he takes all the black pills. No, no, no. It's it's uh it's another guy. It's not Robert Sean Leonard. It's, uh, oh, it's a guy. It's C. Tony Thomas Howell. Yeah. C. Thomas Howell. Yeah. It's another three name uh, actor from the same era. <laughs> it's John Wayne Gacy. It's John Wayne Gacy. <laughs> John Wayne Gacy turns black and escapes the, the, the police. Yeah. <laughs> They're knocking on his door. He's just shoving the pills down yeah. his throat. They open work, the door. Damn like, it! Work. Have you seen a chubby white guy right here? Just this chubby black guy right here. <laughs> Uh, making these paintings of I clowns. Hate, I hate clowns. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's why I have all these paintings I'm trying to I was destroying them. all these paintings. Can we ask you one question? What's a mojo? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't really know. Everything seems fine in here. <laughs> Mr. Gacy? Well, no one's called me that for years. Nobody's called me that. <laughs> it's been muddy. What was his clown name? Uh, oh, fuck. Yeah. It was, it's even scarier. It's got an O, <laughs> yeah. an, an o sound. Clown viz? <laughs> oh, 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 clowny! Yeah, old yeah. clown. Roger has one of his drawings in his bathroom. You know, Matt Dwyer uh, on his podcast had like I was. Oh, I was just telling you about this last night. Uh, was that guy uh, Shane? Bugby, yeah, yeah, Shane Bugby, and yeah. he just was He's a collector. I always that. feel uncomfortable with that. Guys that get into that weird stuff. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I guess not anymore. There was a time where I think I felt uncomfortable about it. You know, Rollins I know that did the, that kind of stuff. Rollins was like getting all those old uh, uh, tapes from Manson, like all his old albums, and like putting them out. And stuff wow. Like that. Well, you know, um, that's just good business, though. That, yeah. But um, you know, Richard Speck uh, painted also, I believe. And well, I remember, I'm not sure if I know Richard Speck. Rick, Richard Speck killed a bunch of nurses. And uh, wait, was he was he one of the guys from Santa Cruz? No, no, no. He was uh, Richard Speck killed a bunch of nurses in Chicago. But oh, yeah, yeah. but I remember Michael O'Donoghue going, you know, Van Gogh lobbed off an ear. <laughs> Look how well he did. This guy, <laughs> <laughs> this guy. Maybe, I think the, I think, maybe he can paint. You know, I think he, the Zodiac killer is uh, Banksy. <laughs> so, who, who, how can you tell? You don't know. Outlines. Yeah, true. It's you true. don't know. Yeah. I, uh, I, we were talking, we gotta get back to music, I guess. How are we gonna do that? We were talking hey, Bob, okay, you've opened up for Nirvana. <laughs> that was really smooth. I was going actually <laughs> talking heads. <laughs> <laughs> we we're gonna go serial killer. Um, you go. Oh, you were actually gonna try and make the jump? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm about segues. I did perform. For uh, I opened up for Nirvana. I don't know how many cities it is. I always think it's like fifteen or sixteen. I can't. Re- I don't yeah. really know. But um, I'm sure it makes a huge difference. Yeah, I know. I'm sure there's some Nirvana lunatic out there that will correct me, anyways. But I, I, um, I always. It, I know it's hard for people to wrap their brand around, but 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 <laughs> uh, Kurt was a fan of my stand-up, so he wanted <laughs> to meet me. I know, I know. And then uh, you know the joke I say is like finding out that Jimmy. <laughs> And Buddy Hackett love Jimi Hendrix love Buddy Hackett. <laughs> Thank you. There you go. Now you're on it. So I um, so I uh, 
so he met he interviewed me in a college radio station this is before the band broke and when they and he gave me a copy of bleach and i remember putting it in the car in the rental car and listening to it and i'm driving to the next city with my friend tony v and i'm like thinking wow some of these songs are really good you know and that rock and roll really sucks because um because we would never hear from them again. <laughs> and then like about a year to a year and a half later, I was opening for them. But, but, uh, or emceeing, basically. But but uh, but Kurt had heard that I'd done a date with um, Cheap Trick, and he was like, hey, I want to have Bobcat on tour. So I did this gig with Cheap Trick, which is, did I ever tell you that? No, he didn't. It was great. And so I go on, and then they go on, and then they come out, and it's like, hey, we're going to do an encore. You you want to come out? Is Surrender. And I was like, yeah. And so <laughs> I get out there, and and they put one of Rick Nielsen's guitars, multi-necked Oh, guitars, no way. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jesus. And I go, to, I, go, I go, what key are we in? And Rick Nielsen goes, you're not plugged in. <laughs> <laughs> and I go, yeah. And I start doing these Townsend leaps. I duck walked. I really did. I duck walked. And I've never done that since or before. And I, and I couldn't, my body really couldn't even, oh, I hurt so bad the next day. But it was, it was great. And they were really impressed that I, like, I knew all the words. Because Surrender is, a, is an amazing jam. It's a great know? song. In fact, that originally was... The song I was going to use at the end of God Bless America, you know, I just thought that was kind of funny, you know, them singing, we're all all right, we're all all right, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, everyone's getting shot. Yeah, it's the whole fucking, yeah, yeah. We shoot everybody. But, um, but, but Alice Cooper just became a much larger part of the movie, so uh, I thought his song made more sense. As he always does. Although his song, his song is, is more melancholy. I don't, I, you know, maybe, maybe I should have picked a, a happier Alice Cooper song. Are there? Be My Frankenstein? Um, That's what they used in Wayne's World. School's Out is a happy song. School's Out is in there, though, but maybe... uh, Only Women Bleed? (laughs) (laughs) Only Women Bleed is name-checked in the movie. (laughs) I think... uh, You know, it's funny. I really resisted really... You know, during when when there's a fantasy where the spree killer couple... Uh, the guy has a dream that they're JFK's assassination. By the way, out of all the things that people got mad at that movie for, no one had a problem with us poking fun at that wacky <laughs> Kennedy assassination. <laughs> but um, yeah. I really resisted the temptation of playing, you know, elected by Alice Cooper during that. And I, and I, and I played Holo Hooray instead. Wow. It's, it's a good movie. Also, your new movie, um, Willow Creek. Yeah. That's a... Uh, uh, there's uh, Tom Yamarone. It's a Bigfoot movie. Well, you've Hold seen it. Hold for applause. It's hard. To- <laughs> <laughs> well, you've seen it. Thank you. <laughs> Not since Harry and the Hendersons now, has any comedian tried to tackle the Bigfoot topic. Now, have you, uh, do you like later, do you pull the gaps out that Neil makes? <laughs> Is that how it works? <laughs> No, they, they, you know what? Upon re listening to this podcast, uh, they're not as bad as it seems at the time. Really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. I'll trust you. I will say, when I listen to other people's podcasts, when, when you point out how bad it is, that's, 
the worst thing. Yeah. It's, <laughs> so what are you trying to do? Try to get us to get off the <laughs> no. picking on you? Is that what that is? <laughs> you know what's really bad? We, we pick on cash a lot more. Than, 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 than. <laughs> Just I wait for enjoying. it. So, uh, so the new Bigfoot movie is called Willow Creek. And I'm just out now starting to get into some festivals and touring with it and showing it around. And uh, and there's a gentleman in it. It's a, it's a hard movie to describe. It's half... It's, some of it's real, and even though it is a, a suspense movie, I, I we really didn't go out of our way. When there's actors playing a couple, it's it's Blair Squatch Project. It is a found footage <laughs> movie, but at the same time, a lot of the people up in this town uh, are playing themselves, just talking about Bigfoot, and it, it doesn't really sound scary. Help me, Jonah. Is it, is it scary? <laughs> I I find the movie. It starts off very funny. I think I think uh, it's you know it's just. Uh, it's a really cool thing you did too, where it's a found footage movie, but clearly it's uh, the thing we were talking about. Where it's the, it's always weird when yeah, you see find- a found footage movie and it's edited. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's like it's like it who's coverage. this creep that finds it and <laughs> yeah. says, "Hey, I'm sorry, your daughter got raped to death, but I really think there's a movie." In this. <laughs> yeah. So the it's different- running long now. Our- yeah. Let me add it. <laughs> yeah. I can get it to 90 minutes. We can sell yeah. it overseas. Too much yeah. blah blah blah. Yeah. Let's get yeah. to the stabbing. Yeah. So um, yeah, so my my movie is it actually is like there's no cuts in it that aren't justified like the, they turn it on they turn it off yeah really? yeah and, and it's it's neat because it's uh much what i really liked about link later's uh last movie bernie with uh i think it was like lily tomlin and jack, jack black, black. Yeah. yeah and it's uh it's really interesting because it's you know it's this real thing that happened in this town uh and you know you're watching the movie you're watching jack black kind of like you know play this character of this guy bernie and his relationship with his old lady and then, uh, but throughout it, they're also just talking about the case, and they're also talking about the town that is, you know, based in. And they have just these people talking directly to camera, like a docu. Uh, and you think it's just kind of a docudrama or like a kind of a Christopher Guest style thing, right. where there's like, oh, these are people doing those cr- kind of crazy backwoods Texan people. And then you realize that they're all actual people. Yeah. And it, and it, and the and there are all these people actually talking about the thing that happened. They're all the people that were there when this thing happened. Right. And I, I I love that so much, and I think uh, Bobcat does a great job of that too. Where it's just like it's kind of like a reverse version where yeah where those yeah. folks are talking about Sasquatch and Bigfoot and 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 then and then the the fictitious part kind of takes over but yeah it's, and plus like the old man with the, the talking of the story of the dog I thought that guy was fake oh well let me that guy is fake oh I thought they were all real because the guy in the uh... oh there's it's 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 about eighty percent real. Okay, I'm not gonna lie, yeah, but but the guy in the the Bigfoot books is a hundred percent real. Okay, because yeah, because the thing is like that guy was perfect, and I that's and when the, I was like, oh, this 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 guy's real, and I yeah, thought the yeah, other people guy was... go try to guess who's real and who's not. And that's kind of fun too, to t- yeah, because the old lady's great. She's a hundred percent real. She she <laughs> yeah. she runs the the. This town is about one road long, and it's got Bigfoot books, Bigfoot museum. You go buy a hamburger; it's in the shape of a foot. <laughs> you know, Bigfoot shoes for kids, and, small and, shoes. And so you go in there, and and this woman runs the tourist center for twenty years. Does she believe in Bigfoot? No. It's like, <laughs> are you kidding me? You could yeah, just couldn't even <laughs> turn it on. Couldn't even turn it on. You just yeah. can't lie. And yeah, so yeah. She's in there, so I I love the fact that she and she kind of had a bad attitude. And suddenly. I don't know what it was, but suddenly in the middle of it, she just had an ass load of us, and she was out of there. It was, kind of funny. It was, really was it like a like a public school teacher thing, where it's like you go into a public school teacher who's worked there for twenty five years, and it's not about teaching the kids to read anymore. It's just about like filling out the books. That's I'm no, sorry. no. I a terrible for metaphor. for her, it was like 
I, I think she's mad that too many people ask her about Sasquatch. Oh. She's like, does anyone ever talk about the rivers? <laughs> Do they ever ask me about the trees? Uh, you know, I think, I, I don't know what it is the deal. It's no. really funny. Move to tree and river creek then. Yeah. But so, but so, so this guy who's like the Bob Dylan of the Sasquatch community, Tom Yamarone, who writes music that's uh, Bigfoot-centric songs, appears in the movie and sings a song and then at the end the song is revisited for the credits and, and Jonah was a big hand and he and he hooked me up uh, with uh, Jonah has big hands Jonah has <laughs> big hands that's the next movie yeah. <laughs> big hands yeah. it's just a Michelle Gondry movie yeah. <laughs> <laughs> weird dreams um what? Yeah, uh, the uh, the song that's so funny. I love it because it's just this like uh, the guys talking about the song, and then um, the guy who's the lead in the movie is like, uh, "So yes, give it up, let, let him play the song, Roger and Bob." And then the guy wouldn't let. He's like, "Went out that day, Roger and Bob went out that day." <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of stuff in the movie like that, like where people. I left that in, you know, where where it's funny how human nature people really correct. I guess that gets cut out of movies and in reality shows and interviews but a lot of people correct people i noticed yeah i I, oh i didn't notice until you pointed out but uh, (laughs) there's that one woman who yells makes him cut yeah Yeah. and that's in the movie cut and she corrects him (laughs) yeah oh that's right yeah 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 Yeah. Yeah. uh anyway so yeah the the guy you know plays the song roger and bob went out that day and it's about uh, you know the two guys. It's that the went. history of the Patterson Gimlin sighting. Uh, <laughs> I know this sounds so weird, but <laughs> that's what the I, I went up to where that footage was shot forty six years you've seen ago. A photo of Sasquatch. This is probably the one. It's, yeah, that it's one him where, loping across a yeah. map. Yeah, right? it's well, actually, it's a woman. It's her. Sorry, that's her. Oh, sorry. Yeah. No, no. <laughs> you can see the breasts. Well, that's and you can thing. see the way the flesh moves. It's real. You see the breasts, which always I lo- I would love to have been around for that eureka moment. <laughs> <laughs> when these Sasquatch guys were studying this grainy 16, 16 millimeter footage, they go, hey man, those are cans, right? <laughs> Is it you or me? I just wanted to justify this boner right now. <laughs> so, no, it's the whole sitcom thing. It's it's two 40 year old guys who've never seen press before, and like somebody's nephew walks in and is like, hey, tits. <laughs> oh! I, that's what they look like. Yes! <laughs> what sitcom? Uh, this is a sitcom. I like. A, I like. I'd like to think that it was like a, maybe now someone had like some sort of uh, app that could remove hair, <laughs> and then they saw the cans, like yeah. this big pink, <laughs> big foot, yeah. <laughs> tattoo of a rose with giant uh, nips. <laughs> um, but we're gonna we're gonna play the song from. The, uh, so I. Oh, so you. Uh, so yeah, you um, frequent um, contributors to Jonah Radio, uh, both on the Twitter games and like uh, music wise. Roswell Kid, uh, great band. And uh, when uh, Bob was you know trying to find, originally it was going to be Grohl, right? Dave yeah, Grohl? I, I. And so. What the fuck? <laughs> Thought you should know. Things you should know. What's that NBC thing? That is a good drop. We need to get this one. What is this? This is this is the song in the movie. The more you know. Okay. <laughs> that's really I don't know what that, what that was. There, that's the tune that's in the yeah, movie. Yeah. So this is a cover of Roger and Bob wrote out that day. <laughs> <laughs> a Tommy Amarone song. Uh, originally supposed to be done by Grohl. Well, I asked Grohl and he was like, yeah, I'm in. And then I have a feeling it was, uh, I don't think he was 
In fact, I knew he was kind of in. I do believe that. My guess is that Sound City kind of took off a lot bigger than, you know, because by the time I needed it, he, the last, next thing I knew he was in Australia and yeah. with the Sound City tour. Yeah, 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 yeah. I enjoyed that motion picture. Yeah, I did. It's like a bunch of little mini rock docks in one. Yeah. But uh, this is uh, uh, Roswell Kid's version of Roger and Bob went out that day. So please went enjoy out it. that day. Oh, wait. You do that there. Wait. Neil.
that was whoa hot hot can't you just push it so it just turns off the mics you're not on check one <laughs> then there used to be then there used to be a thing no, that you could no just mute, mute button at least. i can mute the music oh well whoa now we heard it no nope, no nope. <laughs> professional ship welcome to on a radio yeah, it's the fucking best. <laughs> um, so we talked more Sasquatch, but uh, you know I don't want people just to think I'm a, a a whore for 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 my motion pictures. <laughs> we we were kind of discussing how Mel Brooks never kind of. Both of us are big Mel Brooks fans, but it's really hard to get him to not be on, not tell a funny story. Like yeah, to, yeah, yeah. Especially this this past year, is I've, I've been so drenched in like Mel Brooks stuff, just from doing the interview with him on the Nerdist, and then listening to his uh, his um, WTF. WTF, and then you know the DVD collection. I I, I watched, I like rewatched all his movies, and then he just had the PBS uh, American Masters, Masters. Mm-hmm. Uh, episode, and it's yeah, and then like also just watching him on all the talk shows too, watching close of all doing that. You know, promoting the DVD, and it's all just, uh, it's all the same kind of, he just has his stuff that he belts out. He's and, got his panel and his jokes, but I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he's afraid to, or 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 it's that old school show business, you know, I gotta give the people what they want, you know? Yeah, it must be, because he was, a, what were you saying, he was an old Tumblr, yeah. and he's just this guy that was just always paid to just be on, Yeah, no matter but, what. But, but uh, and then we were discussing, like, his movie Tw- uh, 12 Chairs, you know, that, you know, that, that, that. I don't know how it was received, but I always feel like after that he he went to the producers and he's. I'm sorry. I think Twelve Chairs was his second movie. It's af- It's be after. I believe producers? it's after. I believe Ooh. it's like producers like broken big, wow. and then they're like, it's like they "What do you want to do next?" And he's like, "I got this great." Oh, wow. Well, then I, that I would make Twelve sense. Chairs at all? What is, what Twelve is Chairs it? was. Uh, it's based on a, a Russian, Russian. It's a lot of laughs. It's, no, it's, yeah, not, it's, it's, it's it's pretty. It's a pretty like humdrum kind of like. It's his. It's his actual uh, found footage movie. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's based on Dee's yeah. love of uh, finding uh, strange chairs and bringing them into this garage. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a found footage. She loves. She loves love. her twelve chairs. So, uh, so yeah, you asked me about the Nirvanas. I toured in the Nirvanas. Uh, I I uh, I remember. Uh, I remember I've told this story a bunch, and I'm not proud of that story. Maybe I'll tell some other stories. Oh, come on, that. Mel, give us the old. Uh... No, no, no. That story's the one when I. Did you come in from the ceiling? No, I haven't told that one that much. But I was nude. I came in from the roof of the Oakland Coliseum on New Year's during a Nirvana show. And that was was that Nirvana? You and Butthole Surfers? That's probably the thing. Yeah, yeah. and then and then. Um, I had the in utero wings on, and I still wore a hat. I love that. I had no problem with people seeing my lob and my love handles, but I was like, not my balding pate. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but uh, I remember Gibby uh, Hayes, you know, from the butthole surfers, and, and I, he, he, he and I got along really well, and he kind of reminded me of my older brother who was a biker, and, and, uh, and we would talk a lot and he was fun and and and, and um he's kind of an extroverted guy you know go, really gibby the guy who would shoot a shotgun on stage uh, <laughs> uh from the bottles but but uh he um but i remember and i'm not implying that he was on drugs or something but i remember when we went over the canadian border all of a sudden he was like um 
He was talking like a Harvard professor. It's like, good morning, Robert. How are you? This is you know, it's like, hey, what's up, Gibby? <laughs> <laughs> like somewhere, it was really funny. Uh, this notable change. I'm like, hey man, what's going on, Gibby? What's? Jesus. He seems really odd. He's like, oh, we went over the border. Yeah. So um, once he's off American soil, he just it, no, he just yeah. It's a, or I'm sure he, he found some sort of pharmaceuticals yeah, yeah. once we got into Canada. But um, but yeah, and then uh, and then, but I found Paul uh, Paul Leary of the Surfers actually. Uh, all these guys were really fascinating people, you know. And then, you know, I loved. Uh, I actually really l- like the uh, Daniel Johnston record that Paul produced. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, some some people who love Daniel go, oh, it's overproduced or whatever. But I, I, I really love that record a lot. Yeah, know? yeah. The uh, fun that was the name of it. Right. Yeah, that's right. Uh, were you getting to? What you want more Nirvana? I no, was I thought. Not sorry, to, no, no, oh, no. It's funny fine. story. I, I thought you were know. saying you were going to go into something. Yeah. No, I mean sometimes you know I I can the person more personal side of things was just it wasn't like a you know Kurt Cobain and myself were BFFs, but I did I did have a few nights on that tour where I would spend all night talking with him, and I think people have this perception of him and my little time I spent with him. You know, I I, I did feel like sometimes this whole his junky mystique was. Uh, I'm not going to it was totally played up sometimes like you know people would come around suddenly his shoulders would slump and he would act like he was out of it and then as soon as people left he'd just like go back <laughs> and we'd be hanging out oh you know? wow you know and uh, I, and this isn't even that fascinating of a story but I remember when we were in Chicago uh, it was kind of crappy weather and we were trying to get I think he was trying to get cigarettes, and we just kept going from one fancy high-end bar, restaurant, and hotel to the other, and they were going, oh, no service. And they were just like, who are these hobos? Oh, you know? Jesus. Like, I had a big, long beard and long hair at the time, <laughs> and then he just looked like himself. Like, hey, look, 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 at these, look at these look at these two palookas out of here. Amscray. <laughs> <laughs> like, we really couldn't get service. It was really funny. Jesus. We went down like three or four bars. I was like, yeah. So... So I have fond memories of. of what was the, I remember you told me once about uh, you guys were kind of way out in the like uh, kind of the rural area, and there was like an off night, and you guys were all at a, like a motel or some sort, and you and Grohl were kind of just uh, bored and going around the outside. We had climbed. We were climbed outside the. It was like the second story of a motel, and we were we were just you know the things adult men do. So we we're climbing <laughs> on the railings, and we we're kind of like going along, sneaking, and we could look into windows, you know, of, of the other people, and we we're scaring them and things like that. And, and we get to this is the same time when I was doing radio interviews for Dave. Oh really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> no one knew my voice, uh, no one knew his. So I call in and go, "Yeah, you know, when I was in DC and I was in, and I was in the Scream, you know, we were we were more hardcore." But and so, um, oh, so I always thought that was kind of interesting. I remember, and then coming into Kurt and Courtney's room, and we're looking in there, and there's the two of them, and they're drinking tea and they're watching television, <laughs> sitting at the end of the bed. <laughs> And I was like, yeah, there it is, you know, yeah. Mr. and Mrs. Grunge, you know, that would, <laughs> that would have broke a lot of hearts. Yeah, know. exactly. What? They, why aren't they partying? Why aren't they partying or fighting or fucking just sitting there just like, uh, yeah. I, 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 a couple of indie rock dorks. Just, What's that? Just a couple of indie rock dorks. Just fucking. Yeah, it's very, uh, very sweet, actually. I, um... But I've always had kind of a, more of a connection with me, music than 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 comedy. When I was a little boy, I was obsessed with comedy. 
So, like, I'm talking really little. I would listen, wait, you know, as early as eight, you know, I'd wait to watch comics. Yeah. Like, you, was, you would stay up that late to watch Well, there Carson, was, like, or? daytime talk shows that would have, like, George Carlin on. Diana Shore was the first time I saw George Carlin. Came out, did his poem, his hair poem. And I, I was eight, and I said to my mom, I said, what does that guy do for a living like what's his job like how does he make money and she goes no that's how he makes money and i was <laughs> like oh yeah that's great <laughs> you know i'm already skipping school acting <laughs> it was like that was it you know but then uh so i was really into comedy but then by the time i was a teenager and i started performing comedy i was kind of on the other side like i was kind of taking the piss out of it you know my heroes were andy kaufman and steve martin and and python and stuff like that you know so so I wasn't too concerned with, with letting people know me, and I also just thought it was funny to fuck with people, you know, go on stage, act real menacing or weird. Is and, that how the, the, the character of yeah, Bobcat came about? Yeah, you know what's interesting? The character, Tom Kenny reminded me this the other day, was it was a sketch we did, and I was this guy who had seen Bigfoot, and I was terrified. <laughs> Jesus! Wow. And I come in, and I go, me, 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 you know, and I yeah. talk about my brother and I, we'd seen Bigfoot, you know. I know what I'd seen, but it ain't no bear. So, 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 <laughs> so then later on, uh, uh, I just didn't like doing traditional stand-up, so I would just clean fish on stage or cry reading a Dear John letter. Yeah, well, even for that, was the first special where you came out in a shower? A no, that was a kind of comic relief, yeah. Oh, like, was that a comic relief? I would say that a lot of people sing better in the shower. I'm I'm funnier in the shower because I'm more relaxed, <laughs> yeah. so I took a shower on stage. I did actually get nude, in a, and then the, and the uh, producers of Comic Relief were pissed that I was making them do this, so they... Put really cold water in there. <laughs> ice cold water, yeah. So. Did you, uh, when you did Comic Relief, uh, did you uh, try to get any Kaufman stories out of Zamuda? No, I, I kind of got to know Zamuda, and, and, and he would told, t- told me a ton of Kaufman stories. I, I, I was actually here just, just before he passed away, and I kind of didn't want to meet him. You know, I always heard that he was difficult, and I just thought meeting one of my heroes would have been a disappointment. Yeah. Yeah, but and so like when you uh when you were a teenager and you were you know just you're doing comedy but you were you going to like rock and roll shows or were you just hanging yeah, out at rec- I mean, record shops and well yeah 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 exactly you know but you know I'm 51 so so my teen what is years, that is that an age or something yeah when I was fi- <laughs> but I mean like the music really was breaking then you know like like like. Uh, you, I would hang out at the music slash you know record store and 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 you know we really liked the Ramones you know they were just starting to happen and and the guys behind the counter would go oh you like the Ramones you know and you like the Who well you like this and it'd be like the Jam or the Buzzcocks yeah and, and so we got exposed to all that music and like we would in order to see the Ramones they'd come through my town of Syracuse so so. We would get jobs putting the PA system together, which would always be these big, giant, massive stacks, and then hang out in the bar because drinking age was eighteen, and get to see the bands and get to see bands like the Pretenders and the and the Ramones, and and uh, it was funny too. What 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 fought, was considered punk rock too? You know? What I yeah, mean? yeah. Like I remember I was in a bar once watching Duran Duran. And I'm like going, "Fuck these guys! This isn't punk rock. I'm gonna go see the Romantics." True, <laughs> but uh, so yeah, I did see a lot of crazy shows. You know, I got to you know see the Ramones a bunch of the original Ramones, and and 
and where the it was really funny recently. Like I was getting some attitude from some snotty kids who you know who were like you know wearing mohawks, and, yeah. and I'm like. Really? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I put up the PA system that Joey Ramone sang through. <laughs> you dirty little prick. Yeah, and they say the Ramones were on a major label. They're sellouts. Yeah, well, um, but yeah, so I was in a band called the Dead Duck Band uh, when I was a teenager, and then uh, I got kicked out of that. And that was, I, I, I played bass, like, really, like, maybe only a couple shows, but for a band called The Trend, which I found out recently that people actually look up that that single. Uh, they had a couple singles that that, that are go for a lot. Really? Yeah. And um, but those kids were just my friends, and and Tom Kenny and I would goof around and and stuff. So so uh, kicked out of punk bands, performed stand up in between them. <laughs> That's how it started. Really? really? Yeah. 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 So you weren't like you weren't allowed to be in any bands. No one would let you in a band. So you just decided to still be at the shows because you're all friends with everybody. Um, just... Well, I, I was also I'm terrible. I, <laughs> I, I I have no pitch. You know, I'm really a bad <laughs> singer. So uh, uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it started. And then and then um, yeah, like I I really like the music more than comedy. You know, so I think that was the weird thing. And then I've just had this weird relationship all through the years with musicians. And did like. Uh... Did musicians find you? I mean, like you said, like Kurt was a fan of yours, and so he sought you out. And- Kurt was a fan of the, my stand-up, yeah. And then, and then, yeah, I had the same kind of weird thing. Um, like I, I, my brother, yeah. This is back when we had phone machines, you know. And so, like some asshole who said he was David Bowie called you. He's, you got to change the number, you know. And it's David <laughs> Bowie. He's like, it's David Bowie. He's what? Like, he's leaving this crazy message because he just watched a, some stand-up of mine, and then. He may have been inebriated. I don't know. But then the next day, <laughs> the next day, I received this really straight phone call from him. Said, "Hello, this is David Bowie." You know. <laughs> wow. I want to apologize. And so, and so, he, he hooked me up with tickets to see the Glass Spider tour. So, so Tom Kenny and I go, and he's like, "Well, what did you think?" David Bowie says to Tom Kenny and I, and uh, I go, "Well, Tom." Uh, Tom said it was a lot like uh, Pippin, but I, I felt it was more <laughs> like Guys and Dolls. <laughs> and, and he goes, what? And I go, Tom thought it was like Pippin. <laughs> and I thought it was like Guys and Dolls, and he just kind of fell out, you know. And, oh. and, and, you know, I'm sure his head, there was like, he's trying to remember what the sense he was going through. Like, yeah. what is this? Someone's... Someone's making fun of me to my face. You know what I mean? Like I'm sure, I'm sure he's trying to remember. He had to go way it's, back. Yeah, yeah. Go back really when he was perfect. back when he was Davy Jones. Yeah, exactly. Even, you know? So, so yeah. So, so, and I haven't seen David in a long time. But I actually did. Did uh, yeah. We actually, we're we're pretty good friends for a while. We we even talked about doing like a. This is an exclusive. For a while, we were really close to like doing kind of like a Martin and Lewis thing. We we almost came, <laughs> what we really, really? Talked, yeah we talked really seriously about oh that. Oh my god, that'd be amazing. I mean, really close. Like he was the one. He said, "Okay, I, I I'll book it," and I, and then I think I pussied out. <laughs> no, are you fucking lying? Well, because he wanted to do You're it. Lying? Like, no, and he wanted to do it. Here's the thing. I said, "Here's what here's what made me pussy out." Like I'm thinking. We need to try. We need to do this like at the ice house. Like, we yeah, yeah, do this in front of 150, 200 people. And he goes, Yeah, we'll do it small. You know, we'll do And like, so he wanted to do like the will turn. You know? like, <laughs> he wanted to do theaters. And I, that's was like, small to him. Of course it was. Yeah. This is when he was playing 
baseball stadiums. What, you know? what when about when about was this? This one was when he did Sound and Vision, the, like the oh, was that eighty, and also the Tin Machine, and around that too. Okay. But I remember too that was really funny because I'd made fun of. Uh, you are getting exclusives. I, I'd made a joke about one in a million off of Guns N' Roses albums because it said because uh, it had a warning label. That was the thing that I found more annoying, you know, because it said <laughs> immigrants and faggots. You come to this country, then you do as you please and spread disease. That's you know the lyrics from Guns N' Roses one in a million. And I said um, some performance. I said it should say. Uh, you know, I said I'm not familiar with this portion of American history when we had a homosexual migration. Like, uh, you know, all the all the gays moved here from Homoslavia to get away from the uh, persecution of heavy metal bands that, that look like drag queens. Yeah. You know, it's like you come to this country, then you do as you please. I said the album should just say, "Warning: This album contains reactionary redneck horseshit to sell a million more copies." And so Axl Rose and Rolling Stone said, who's Mr. Bobcat Goldthwait? Fuck him, you know. Oh, God. And then I said, these, these stories are so dated that I said on our studio hall, I said, although I do find him quite attractive, seeing that IV drug users are in a high-risk group, I think I'll pass on <laughs> So, so wow, this, these stories are weird for me to say. So, so, so then I showed up and I went to see Bowie at Dodger Stadium and there was... Some of Guns N' Roses in front of me, just a few rows up, and they're, oh, there's Bobcat, you know, harumph. And um, <laughs> two things happened that were really funny. Melissa Gilbert was there, right? That's the girl who's on Roseanne? Yeah. yeah. And she goes, oh, are you a, a, a fan of David's? Are, you know, are you a Bowie fan? I go, well, no, he's my friend, and he asked me to come. And she just rolled her eyes and walked away oh, like sure. I was the biggest <laughs> douchebag. But I wasn't trying to be like, oh, he's my bro. I was like... That's really why I was there. You know, it's kind of funny. It's like then I became a Bowie fan. I, I wasn't growing up. Yeah, I, I I didn't dislike him, but I just wasn't really into him. And then and, and now I am actually. But so so um so so Bowie in Dodger Stadium goes in between songs. He goes, "I'd like to wish my good friend Bob Bobcat Goldthwait a very happy birthday." It's my <laughs> yeah, birthday. No way. Yeah, and I look over at Melissa Gilbert. I'm like, psych. Yes. <laughs> and, and, the, and the Guns N' Roses party was going boo. Oh. <laughs> it was really, uh, it was really funny. And uh, oh, and I was with my first wife in that one. And I was like, going, man, I wish this was our first date. <laughs> uh, yeah, this you fucking. You know, what I made out of getting so much play, but. Um, <laughs> And then, uh, yeah, it was just, uh, yeah, so those are some crazy stories. But what, what about, what I want to know about the, the like, Martin Lewis situation. Yeah, like, man, you know, uh, I... I what, would, what would be the show? I think I sent him an email or something recently, and I didn't hear back, but it was like, <laughs> uh, oh, we were really going to go on and, you know... And this is in the 80s? Um, you know, I'm trying to sing these songs, and you keep interrupting me. You know, it really would have just been. You know. People would have hated that. <laughs> well, it's good that we didn't do it. Yeah. Well, that was the idea. I thought that'd be really yeah. funny. Yeah. Oh, that'd be hilarious. That's so good. But like, well, I was okay. thinking that he should do. You know, I, I. You know, and my take was, you know, you really he should have done like, like Dean Martin music. You know, yeah, I mean? sort like, of the big band, yeah. standard, big band sort of standards, idea. yeah. yeah. But he was even like goofing around, like humming songs, you know, that would have been his take on standards, you know. And and I went to Showtime, and they said, "Yeah, we're in." And 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 we of course. And then I I'm the fucking uh, the fuck is wrong with you? But that's that's uh, that's me. I mean, that really is me. You know, it's like so many times, like I got 
close to doing these things that would have been nuts, and I just kind of would implode because I, uh, the fear of delivering. You know, you sit there as an outsider and you criticize everything, and then you end up in police academy instead <laughs> of actually trying. Yeah, yeah. Serious. I mean, that's, that's you know what they you know there's actually a term for that, and it's called the Jonah complex. <laughs> I swear to God, <laughs> it's, it's, it's a really thing is. called the Jonah complex. It's like being close to succeeding and then just like bailing out because yeah. like uh, the the idea of it working out uh, like just f- you know freaks you out. But it wasn't the fear of success because I had that in in American terms. You know, I mean, nor- notoriety and money, but uh, it was the fear. Of, of, of not hitting it out of the park. The the fear of being judged, you know. Yeah. So, uh, uh, yeah. So so it's funny that later on in life I was okay with just just making. My, you know, now I just make my movies and and I don't know what I would do if I didn't make a movie that people saw. I mean, do you, I I don't mean people. I mean my friends and people who I admire seem to like my weird movies. Yeah. But I just did a whole weekend and. Of of nearly sold out shows, some of them were sold out. It was packed all week in Virginia Beach. On stage, I said, um, as I'm winding up, I go, "Well, you know, I make movies, and if you want to look them up, they're on, you know, Netflix and things like that." And one guy went, "Woo!" <laughs> I'm not kidding. I learned not to bring up the movies. I Just the one. I didn't have anybody with a DVD to sign or nothing. I mean, they had not heard of 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 the movies I make, which doesn't bother me and I, and I do wonder like what if one hit like what would would I be freaked out by that now it's it's funny that you say that just cuz you know I know sometimes on your uh on your Instagram feed you know there'll there'll be a random person that kind of like you know and I I know like uh, I was talking to Dana Gould about it too on on Twitter it's like where someone will shout out the uh uh whatever asshole when was the last time you were relevant and then, like, it, it comes into this idea of, like, like what you were saying were success in an American terms, right. which is notoriety and muddy, money. Yeah. Uh, and it's, uh, it's I, I think about that stuff a lot where it's, like, how do you define success? And, you know, I, and I, I think a lot of, like, you know, when I think about music, I think about, like, the, like, my, like, my place in comedy, I'm not really, like, you know, like, but if I was a band, like, if I was, like, a punk band that I listened to, I'd be like, yeah, they're pretty good size. Yeah. And you think about, like, um, you know, like, I've brought it up a ton of times before, but... You know, Ian Mackay uh, from Minor Threat and Discord Records and Fugazi and stuff like that. It's like, you know, this guy is like changing, changed my life, you know, and changed a lot right. of people's lives. But like mostly everybody doesn't know who they are. Does that mean that they're not successful? So just to do what you want to do and, and, and shoo away the preconceived notion that it's about, you know, notoriety and money. Sure. I, I mean, I think it's funny. Um, who was it recently? Somebody I was talking to, like, uh, uh, you know, I, I was probably at one of the film festivals and, um, there was someone who was really giving me an attitude. And uh, in order for him to give him an attitude, he had to see me in police academy or something. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, like he had a, you know, it's like, dude, I didn't watch him. <laughs> yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, not that I'm justifying my thing, but whatever his weird attitude was, it's it's, yeah. it's, it's weird sometimes. And then the other thing in the... Um, arty farty film festival world like if you have a sense of whimsy or if there's laughs in your movie uh it suddenly is not as is not taken as serious as a, a movie without uh you know that are void of laughs you know yeah it's weird you know um 
I don't know. I mean, that's the thing. That's the slam. I recently a comedian made a snarky comment about me being not relevant, and I'm like, I don't even know what you're talking about. When was I relevant? <laughs> you know what I mean? And, uh, and what and what is it to be relevant? I mean, the thing is, it's like you make a living off of doing comedy and making movies, and just being a director and a comedian, like you know, but. You are successful. That's what success is, to choose the things that you want to do and then be able to sustain off of that. Yeah. yeah. That and, your desire. and it's also like, well, what's relevant? You know, being on Last Comic Standing 8 or yeah. or having a movie that you wrote and directed at Sundance, you know? Yeah. That's aimed at the guy who actually was on Last Comic <laughs> Standing that, that said I wasn't relevant. Really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He also called me a cunt. <laughs> oh, what was it? This was the... Uh... This is the guy who does an impression of me in, in his act. And, what was and his I, name again? Uh, I don't want to get into a war. People can do their research. But he did it. He did an impression of me in his act, and he does it all the time, and it's just... has something non-flattering to say about you after that? Well, because I did say I would do an impression of him, but no one knew who I was doing. <laughs> but I was just trying to set it, make a thing saying, hey, dude, I don't have to like you doing an impression of me. You can yeah. do it. I'm not, you're not going to get a cease and desist. Right. But here's why I hate, I hate comics that do impressions of comedians. Because oh, yeah. they're getting a laugh. It's like, it's these cover. are the... These are the same dummies that think Curly really talked like that. You know what I mean? It's just like, wouldn't it be funny if Bobcat Goldthwait and Gilbert Godfrey were air traffic controllers? And be like, yeah, it would be, because those are two reasonably Comedians. funny personas <laughs> yeah. that they've created. Yeah. You know, like, how about write a joke? Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. You know, I, I think like... It's just fantasy. It's like fantasy baseball, where it's just like, imagine if this guy and this guy... Yeah. Yeah. Well, would Michelle it, Page and would Mark it, McGuire. Yeah, yeah. But I grew up with Tom Kenny, who, 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 I mean, not just SpongeBob, but he's so brilliant as a mimic. We would come home from school, and he would impersonate the class, the teacher, the the principal making announcements, and spot on. But he was doing material, like he would be telling a story. So just straight on impressions that get, uh, you know, it's like, uh, it's like watching those movies where it's something you know. You know the comedies where yeah. they just go. This is something you've seen. Yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, you know the <laughs> that kind of comedy. You know, yeah, yeah. yeah well, exactly. you can buy on window dressing. You're like, oh, that's 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 a party trick. That's not necessarily comedy. Exactly. Yeah. And, and there's there's there was a you know kind of a a Dane Cookie kind of like uh and he did it you know early on, but it was just. Is it basically? It's like uh, we all remember this thing, right? Remember this thing? Yeah, you know. It's, <laughs> yeah, exactly. uh, and, going, and no one's no one's laughing at a joke. They're going, they're going. It's like it's the sound that comes out of their mouth when they're like remember something. They go, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember light bright. You know, that's <laughs> exactly. Just, yeah. it's, um, but it, it tugs at the same like communal experience. We all relate to each other. Exactly. Yay! Yeah. Yeah. Instead of an idea, it's a thing. Yeah. But you yeah. don't need an impression. You've got the real thing. Well, but that's the other thing. It's just like maybe I have a problem when people do an impression of me. I'm like, yep, that's the persona I jettisoned years ago that you're <laughs> helping perpetuate. <laughs> when did you decide to just uh, to drop that persona? It was after I stopped directing Kimmel. I went back out on the road because I used to always do kind of like a hybrid of myself and the persona still because I knew that the, that's what – 
people are here at the Mel Brooks yeah, thing. Yeah, people yeah. are here to see a show. I got to do it. So, so then I finally realized I hate stand up, and and I was like, no, it wasn't. I hated stand up. I hated this persona, this this uh, meeting people's expectations. So so once a, it was really funny. I I I started doing stand up again. I actually videoed it, and I thought, well, this would be funny because I'll I'll be able to make fun of the bad features, you know, the bad opening acts and the shitty wacky morning teams I got to deal with and the douchebag club owners and i got none of that on this thing yeah. like the wacky morning teams were fine <laughs> the opening acts were fine they were my friends the, <laughs> the club owners were somewhat reasonable and not cheating me and i was really like, well i'm still miserable and then i realized it was it was this persona you know that i had to kill it so i actually do have that on camera the night i said in a club that paid money to see me do stand-up that I I had to go out there without the character. Wow, oh, wow! But I I didn't do anything with this footage because it just felt so masturbatory. But you know, I, I, you know, maybe my daughter will make something out of it. You know, or, what, what did so? Did you have to? I mean, <laughs> when you do that, how do you rebuild? Do you go out and say like, I, oh, I have twenty minutes I can do without that character, or or can you still do that material? Can, can without you still the do voice? that? Yeah, there was enough that? enough material that I said, hey, this is my voice, and I got to do it this way. And there's people going, do the do the voice. It still know? happens, right? Yeah, what, yeah, 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 yeah. But did you did it find when you were writing after that? Was it easier or was it harder because you didn't have the character anymore? Like, was it easier to say like, oh no, I've had these thoughts and now I don't have to put it through the character? No, it, it was just as hard. But then recently something hit me on stage too is that so many of these people have this expectation. So I don't deliver that. But if I actually do crowd work, and not nasty crowd work, if I just do really kind of friendly crowd work, the crowd goes crazy. And I know, and I don't rely on hacky things, but if I actually just dig around, it's almost more like what Powell Poundstone would do. And I dig around and dig around, and they'll go, oh, that was a great show. And it's like, well, of course, it was about you. <laughs> I, I want you to... <laughs> I want you to tell the, uh, you know, because you said that's having a lot to you where he's, do the voice, do the voice. <laughs> and you recently did a show in Denver uh, not too long after the uh, show. Oh, uh, I know what you're talking about. The, yeah. the people wanting the voice. and they're, they're in the, uh, I know they're what you're in, talking about. Yeah. Can you and tell this that drunk right? woman's heckling in the back because she's mad that I'm not doing the voice. And yeah. She, and she finally, because everywhere you go, by the way, like, like you're getting a heckler and you go and you make a joke about it or try to shut him up. The guy goes, "Well, you're in Jersey or you're here in Alabama." Like people think that's an excuse for the. So this woman goes, "I'm from Aurora," and I go, "Of course you are. You've learned not to sit in the front anymore." <laughs> <laughs> and it was the weirdest thing I've ever oh, said on and this stage. Was, and this was like maybe two months. Yeah, yeah, but this is the thing. I didn't get. <laughs> food it was no? more like it was more like when you know like native people see a plane and they and then you'll say did you see the plane they go no yeah it was like that like like some people went ah but a lot of people just pretended they didn't hear it it was like we like wow. you yeah and yeah. we're not gonna let that in. You didn't say that. <laughs> yeah. Not gonna laugh. Not gonna. Uh, well, they didn't. They just, just. We're gonna just treat this moment as a, it didn't happen, and then we're just gonna move on. Oh man! All right, we're gonna break for a song from the Uncluded. It's a song off their new album, Hokey Fright, called "Delicate Cycle." Artwork by previous guest Travis Miller.
can take my finger off. Old dog, old trick, new twist. Like, actually take the finger off. Wrap it in a blanket as he would a severed horse head. Mail it to a friend you want to pick and swear more with. And should they need a forearm or something, they can practice drawing skulls on. Cut it from the shoulder while the sore's warm. The full appendage really make a world of difference. Included two or thirty teeth that you had all your critics. Thirty-two would have been perfect. Two were casualties of it since. I always wanted rather things for Christmas. The rest work cool. I'm shipping out a torso with the AM. You should learn to hit the organs every time at 40 paces. It's important. I can't explain why now, by the way. Legs in a crate delivery by today. If a uniformed man knock knocks on his document, you shouldn't have to walk out to the mailbox for the other shit. My mom was a lunch lady when I was in elementary school. She was outside during recess. She had a whistle and I thought that that was cool. She was really nice to all the kids who didn't have a lot of friends. She would give them hugs and tell them jokes or she'd play catch with them. And my dad worked at the laundromat, which was really cool to me. I'd get to open up the washing machines and clean them out and collect the money. And I'd open the soap dispenser and put new little boxes of soap inside. I knew how it worked and I was good at it. And helping out filled me with a sense of pride. I would meet all kinds of people there and I would look them in the eye. And I'd say, hi, hi. excuse me, but do you mind if I shine the glass while your clothes dry? Giant arm with a head. They said it used to walk upright in like New York after 10. One day it woke up out of order, nothing more to extend. Delicate cycle in the alpha of its orbiting zen. When it's a personal skill, it's already poured its best. A conversation can be riddled with exorbitant debt. And you don't know it, but I know I owe you more than I've kept. So if you find a biohazard by your door on the step, maybe it couldn't find its faculties, but swore it would help. Want it to be a larger part than its abnormalities let. Hang on up overnighting eyes with a headlight deer stare. One up in van, UPS and ear pair. Wear them if you need a new perspective on a weird year and one day when i'm better we can square away a fair share the last frame silhouetted by the sun was an airmail stamp on a still warm tongue i was 26 years old the first time i lived in a house with a washer and dryer in it and that's the year i bottomed out Maybe what was missing was the sense of community that comes from hauling your big old load out in public and airing your dirty laundry in the company of other people who also don't have the amenities at their convenience in a home that's so set up that they never have to leave. I miss the smell, the dust, the coins, the trust, the squeaky carts, the vibrations, the bucket full of bleach, the dryer sheets, the old payphone, the giant sink. I'd watch my daddy mop the floor and my heart started with the quarter i'd watch my daddy mop the floor and my heart started with the quarter my whole life, my whole life is, cycle, is a delicate cycle, cycle delicate cycle, cycle. cycle. my whole, whole life,
So that song had a, a, a lyric. Are we back? Yeah. yeah. Okay. And uh, uh, about um, she sings about her mother being a lunch lady. Yeah. And my mother was a lunch lady. And I got to say, I never I never was embarrassed. I actually thought it was cool. It was like, my mother's got the hookup. That's what she says. And I, th- I believe she, like, yeah. yeah, my mom was a lunch lady. And I thought that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. I was just like, look at this. Hey, look who's getting extra fries. You know? <laughs> and then I was a janitor in my high school. Again, I never thought that was embarrassing. I just was like. Oh, you're the guy from the uh, Smells Like Teen Spirit video. <laughs> no, I, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I just, but I always. That was my attitude. You know, Tom Kenny was always like, oh, we're doomed, we're nerds, and everyone hates us, and I'm going to be, you know, and I was always like, you, look at us. Why, you know, I always thought I was so fucking amazing. <laughs> <laughs> it was so weird. You know, Don Quixote I was, Quixote and I was yeah, exactly. <laughs> I, was just, I was just this fat kid. I would look like Bobby Hill, 100%, you know, <laughs> who liked comedy, just like Bobby Hill. But, but um, you know, uh, Tom Kenny and I, first grade, Picking up teams for dodgeball, three people left: myself, Tom, and a girl who had a hook for a hand. <laughs> and why wasn't that a comedy? Team? And they pick, and they pick the girl with the hook. And I was ta- before Tommy and I, and I was talking to Tommy. So ruin about the ball. Yeah, well, she's got one move. <laughs> so Tommy goes. That was the day I knew I was never going to be good at sports. And I go, that's what you thought? I always thought they knew we could handle it, Jeez. so they let uh, they picked us, uh, her before us. You know? This is like the uh, dynamic of the twins in adaptation. Yeah. Like, uh, they were yeah, laughing yeah. at you because uh, they knew that I was. I didn't care. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. That was always. Isn't that funny? I mean, I still. You know, I'm I'm riddled with self doubt and self loathing and and all the darkness. Uh, I guess most people have, but but it is kind of funny that my movies are always filed as dark comedies, but I have this plucky attitude, you know? <laughs> it really hasn't changed. I, I, I always have a weird aversion towards people that don't show any darkness when I'm talking to them. Like, I need to see something behind their eyes. It was like a guy I worked with at the Arclight a long time ago, and he was just, everyone loved him, was always in a good mood, always smiling, and I was like, that's the guy that's going to kill all of us. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. But I really don't think of my movies as dark. I don't, and that's not me being cute, you know. Yeah, I mean, I guess it's dark, and because you know, World's Greatest Dad, I mean, like you know, Sleeping Dogs, right? I mean, there's bestiality and death, bestiality and death, and autoerotic asphyxiation, babies getting shot, mass murder. But 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 with that said, here's my (laughs) caveat: I was watching Twenty One Jump Street, and the guy gets his penis cut off, right? And then it ends up in his mouth somehow, and I'm like, you know, and that's a throwaway gag, you know. And I'm like, I would make a whole movie about it. You know, I would write a whole script about a guy. And that's where it starts. And it's just all yeah, about the yeah. guy dealing with it for the rest of the exactly. movie. And his family and friends finding out. And there'd be like weird shots of cocktail wieners. And he's, <laughs> and he's, and he's sweating and stuff, you know. Um, yeah. So, so you know, I, I don't know. I mean, I think it's a, you know, I think, I think most, I think most, Movies and television are are very insulting, and they're very dark places. You know. Well, you know, if you watch Two Broke Girls, it's like a an extremely racist show. I I can't say I have seen it. I've just seen you know like uh, promos, and usually they just pick the most racist joke to put in the promo because I guess that's just what brings people in. <laughs> but we're weird. You know, I mean, I think people are confusing um, the ability to be an asshole with having a wit. 
Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. And one thing I didn't know, because Grandpa's not on Twitter, I, I I was looking at Twitter and I realized that there's like this version of um, uh, Twitter hacks. They're like people who think they're funny and they're just doing. You That's know. all of Twitter. I thought. Oh really? Because I but I didn't realize like some of them are popular, you know. And I was like, oh, you, wow, really? You know, yeah. it, it's really strange. When it started, it was like, oh, it's this new form, and you're so limited in your characters, literally, that it birthed all these new different kinds of like joke writing. But now there are. There's like, oh, you're in this trope of like. Saying something and then attributing it to something else, and then yeah, so yeah, yeah, there's like there's a lot of styles of Twitter jokes that are just you know yeah. uh, you know fake quote from this person. Can you believe that? Yeah, but it's just really, I don't know. I, I I'm not upset with it. I just uh, I mean I have to join some sort of <laughs> some sort of social media. You're on the gram, Instagram, but you know I, I uh, that works uh, fine for me. But the that, gram, the gram, but the gram doesn't. <laughs> The gram doesn't really, uh, you know, connect people w- who might want to see me do comedy or, or connect people who might want to watch my movies. You can, though. There's ways around it. Yeah, but I mean, I'm talking, you know, there's a difference like Instagram, uh, the, the gram, sorry. Thank you. Versus uh, other, you know, it's just if I went on Twitter, I'd have a lot more folks following me immediately. Yeah, that's true. And so, I mean, my army of 7,000, which is respectable, but, yeah. <laughs> you know. Oh, Pashaw, sorry, Mr. Nerdist. <laughs> no, I know. His evil cackle. No, that's, it was cute the way that you were, dis- I was saying that you were saying how it's like a, like it's not much. It's way more than I have. Oh, oh, I didn't know that. And Mr. Nurse is my father's name. Call me Jonah. <laughs> <laughs> now I've monopolized the the interview so far, so uh, or the show. I like to think any conversation I'm having is an interview. <laughs> I just had an interview with a waitress earlier tonight. <laughs> she was fascinated. I want to I want to do that for a week. Just look at every conversation as an interview. As yeah. A, yeah, yeah. I think that's just called narcissism. You just go, I know. Yeah. It's, a, it's a pleasure to meet you too. I've always <laughs> saw the world, I think, in a different way yeah. than the rest of people. When yeah. I was a kid. <laughs> so what? Have I broke the show? What What part of the show didn't we get to? Because I've talked too much. No, there was no. I didn't have any. I didn't. I don't have any music news. I don't have any Twitter games for all the idiot yeah. listeners. I, I, it's just this is a this kind of a you know a thing. This is loosey goosey. Yeah, we can. We can. You know what? Here's the thing. Hey, Neil. I guess it's good time for music news. It's been a while. Oh, you know, I could tell the. It's. I tell this sometimes in my stand-up, but it is a good story that I think you and your audience will appreciate. Don't put me together with my audience. Okay. It's <laughs> fucking grooving me together with the worst pieces of shit ever. Wow. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a little strong. A little heavy-handed there. What? Yeah, that was yeah. a bit. Yeah. That was I should have just harsh. left it, right? Yeah. Don't grip me yeah. together with them. Yeah. yeah. Buy our t-shirts. Hey, could you... Uh... <laughs> don't, don't overshoot your mark. That's 48 Laws of Power. Okay. So here's the here's here's the story. I, I, I used to direct the Jimmy Kimmel show. Sometimes people... When I was on the Nerdist, I, uh, when I was ego surfing, I noticed people were saying that my stories are name-dropping. And it's like, well, here's the thing... Um, I don't know what else to talk about. I mean, I've been in show business since I was, you know, I mean, I got in Letterman when I was 20, so yeah. it's not like I have, you know, I do have friends who aren't in show business, but but I tell those stories just as soon, but it's just, you know, so 
So, but the more interesting ones that impress people uh, are the ones with the celebrities. Well, well, but you don't know. Like if I talk about if I talk about the realm of Jimmy Kimmel, you go, oh, I know where that is, right? If yeah, I right. talked about Sparky Jaquin, you don't know who Sparky Jaquin is. You don't know how funny Sparky he is. Sparky Jaquin? Tight with that one. Sparky Jaquin, I went back to my high school reunion, was still as insane and as funny as ever. Like, really? He, yeah, like uh. like like Sparky's uh, he's a little hyper, always was, and, and he's... Like all these people wanted Tom Kenny to sign DVDs and do oh, outgoing right. phone messages, uh, and this is really funny. I just come from Sundance and I just sold my first picture at Sundance, <laughs> and and they're just because people don't see me on their TV and stuff. They're going, "Hey, hang in there, Bobcat." <laughs> <laughs> you know, everybody has a spot. You know, you know they'll come back. It's like a roller coaster. Yeah, yeah. ebbs and flows. Yeah. And business is cyclical, man. And business. I'm like, yeah, how's the how's the uh, tile business yeah. going? So, you know, it's like a roller coaster. There's a but that was the cool thing. Come back as a middle aged man, where everybody did have their identities, so they weren't like, you know, I was fascinated to hear my friends' flooring business and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, so, but Tom Kenny was just stuck in this fucking limbo where he's not even enjoying the party because he's got because he's a nice guy and he's signing all these autographs and doing phone messages and doing all this crap uh, and sparky jake was standing behind him going uh tommy 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 tom tom Tom, Tom cat just right dear kid your mom has nice tits (laughs) he's just like doing all this stuff like that and he goes over to my one friend and she married a guy that was 10 years older so he's old because i'm 50 you know so this guy's not a spring chicken but and sparky's like hey 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 les leslie introduce me to your dad (laughs) and then he proceeds to knock a glass of red wine all over this guy oh oh, no jaquin do you mind i mean it was like right out of a marx brothers movie and i was just crying and laughing and then and then this one guy uh, yeah, so so it was really funny, and, and I don't know why I digress. Oh, because I, I'll tell a Sparky Jaquin story as soon as I'll tell a Jimmy Kimmel story. It just takes a little longer to build yeah. up. So <laughs> I was dragged into the Kimmel show, and um, and Nickelback's on, and uh, and so the the manager comes in from Nickelback and says, "Don't shoot Chad." Have I ever told you this? No. And he goes, "Don't shoot Chad." And I had to find out who the fuck's Chad. That's uh, you know the lead singer. He's like, "Don't shoot Chad." Uh, profile only shoot him from the front. Why? Uh, he's got nose. Yeah, or? his nose. Now you go because his nose. They, I go why? Because his nose. Oh, all right. So uh, by the way, nobody. Uh, only one other time did someone ever come in the booth, and then the guy leaves, and the the cameraman were all my buddies, so they're all busting my chops, going. Oh, don't shoot Chad. Hey, Bobcat, can I direct next week? I guess the manager of Nickelback's our new director. So they're really busting my balls pretty hard. So so I say to the assistant director, if you've seen the Kimmel show, the show would roll out uh, as the band's playing. You know, they'd do their second song. And so I said to the assistant director, I go, tell me when we have 10 seconds. And she goes, okay. And then... And she goes, 10 seconds. I go, shoot the nose. And, <laughs> and, and six cameras just go whizzing in on this guy's nose from every single angle. And I'm going, ready camera six, ready two, ready one, ready three. And just made this montage of the guy's nose. Oh, shit. And then, and, then, uh, and then the show goes off the air and it gets really quiet. And the guy's uh, going, what are we going to do now? He's like the cameraman. And I go, I don't know, man. I'm getting in the car. <laughs> 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 and that's playing on that state. It was the outdoor stage. No, no, they, they were uh, actually in the smaller oh, room the club when we did that. So yeah, yeah, but but it was like um, 
I know it didn't make the West Coast feed, so <laughs> oh, I'm, sure, I'm sure calls were made, is yeah. my guess. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah. I told that story to uh, uh, Ray Davis, you know, who I've been working on this musical. Ray yeah, I also want you to talk about that. Of the that. Kinks, you know, and... Um, Oh, he, he was like, he was like, can I see that? Like he was really into that story. <laughs> but yeah, there's an album of the Kinks from when I was in high school called Schoolboys in Disgrace, and uh, I wrote a, you know, I, 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 you know, when you listen to an album, you you visualize it, and this was a, a, a yeah. narrative album, so so it wasn't, you know, so I pitched it to Ray. And uh, and I gave him a copy of World's Greatest Dad, and then uh, his manager was a very nice guy. He says, "Look, Ray's a nice guy, but he's not going to watch your movie." And then I get a call, you know, and this, yeah, Ray's in, you know. Oh wow! And uh, and and so then it really just immediately I'd finished the script. I mean, really, like like less probably like three weeks. I had the screenplay written, you know, written wow. because 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 I'd seen the movie since yeah. I was thirteen over and over again, and. And uh, so it's bigger than the movies I make, so it's been taking longer. But that's my big passion is to get this movie in. And, and, the, and, and, and certainly if I casted it incorrectly, I probably could have gotten it going by now. But, but for me to take the Kinks music that I love and then make a movie that Ray was disappointed in, it would kill me. You know right. what I mean? So this yeah. is – sorry to go back, but uh, – so this is the, the same sort of vision that you put together since you were thirteen. Like, did did you give him the story and he gave you notes, or was it just sort of like no? This is I what gave I'm I gave him the story, I wrote it, and and he he actually felt really good that he felt I was really trustworthy to 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 the, to the people, and I knew enough about Ray as, as a huge fan that in the past people have come to him wanting to take a lot of his different works and make them stuff, mm-hmm. and then they want him to do a lot of the lifting and and i want i kind of answered all the questions i said well this guy is this and this and mr flash does that and you know and i i you know i mean because i because i really was a huge fan and i didn't even want him to sweat it i wanted to do it it's the hardest i worked because it was the thing i I really wanted not to screw up that's amazing because i always have those things where i think i have the idea of a story uh, the, the story of a song or the sto- the story that i've made up clear your throat please <laughs> <laughs> Excuse me. um i always think i have it and then i find out that that song is completely different or written about some <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Where, where it's yeah. like oh that was a I had that- song i thought that was a breakup oh song. man i've i've had like, yeah, yeah, my yeah. friends uh my friend sean cole uh who's in this band great band called toys that kill and you know there was a their second album came out and I was living in San Pedro which is where all they were from and all I was part of the same scene and the song came out and like I was like hey I gotta call you about this song and I go I I was like I have this idea of what your song's about and he's like well, tell me and I was like all right. and I was like. Because I listened to it over and over again. I was like, this is about Tony. Tony, blah, blah, blah. And this line is a reference to that thing that happened that one night at the party. Like, all this stuff. Breaking it down. Lyric by lyric. Word by word. All the way down. And this is this. And this is kind of about this. And this is the time you had that you were telling me about the problem you had with it. And then, like, he's like, and I, it was, like, about us. It's about no one able, able to leave the street. It's about how fucked up everyone is on speed. It's, it's just, like, all this thing. And then, like, he's like, well, you got the speed part right. And I was like, well, what, who is it about? He's all... It's a song about Nancy Reagan. (laughs) (laughs) Just the entire thing. Two thousand. What? This is this is not in nineteen eighty six. No, yeah, this is in like two thousand and like three or four something like that. And I was like, I was like Nancy Reagan. He's like, yeah, I just have how she was like you know addicted to speed and like uh, and she like also was like trying to fight like you know had shitty drug laws and blah blah. I was like, no. 
<laughs> He's all, yours is good too, though. <laughs> yeah. you know, that's a theory. Yeah, I'm, I'm always really bad at discerning what lyrics are about. Like one of the first mixes I made, Deanna, when we first started dating, on a little like a little playlist uh, mixtape thing. And, uh, and she's like, why would you just give me a fucking playlist full of just breakup songs and <laughs> I miss people songs? So I was like, what are you talking about? And it's just like this one song from the mountain goes Cubs and Five is about like how like, you know, like longing for a girl that'll never love him again. And like, uh, was, like oh. yeah, I was, uh, wait, uh. did you just give her the someone else's mix? I mean, no, I just like I just like I was like, this is a catchy tune. Well, that's yeah. a fun little tune. I love this song. Yeah, I love this song and I'm you know, as much as I, you know, like bands with great lyrics and, you know, I just for some reason, I don't know what doesn't connect in my head yeah. or I just don't realize how Well, sometimes the songs are stories and then other times it's someone's really great at turning a phrase, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, for the life of me, I mean, I love Elvis Costello, but I I I guarantee you I've never gotten one of his songs right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very dense. Yeah. yeah or uh, or like the Rolling Stones where it was just like sometimes I'm just he's just making sounds that go along with Keith's <laughs> guitar yeah. thing. But I can't tell you how many stories I have of like, oh, this is what well, Brown Sugar is a bad example. But you know, literally about brown sugar. Yeah. Is it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's actually he yeah. loves. Wow, uh, he uh, loves oatmeal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oatmeal and yeah. snickerdoodles. Good girl oatmeal. It's a, it's a brand. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's funny the idea of like. Didn't he say that he the the you know the riff from Satisfaction came to him in a dream? Yeah, yeah. He woke up and wrote it down, and then went back to sleep and woke up the next day. And, what? Where the hell did I get this? Like, where does it come from? And then there's the weird thing of Townsend saying that that you know he, he, the windmill thing that he would do playing the guitar was he saw Keith Richards doing that warming up backstage before the curtain came up on some like thing where they would do like a review and they would yeah. you know the bands would each go out and do three to five songs. Oh wow! And Keith Richards goes, I don't remember that. <laughs> <laughs> You know what I mean? That's like yeah. the comedy equivalent would be like if if you know, I don't know like, like like Larry the Cable Guy just see some kid go you know hey, that's it. get her done and he's yeah. like uh, hey. I guarantee you that's how that happens. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know Jeff Foxworthy the, the his uh, there's a comedy club called Chaplin's. I don't know if it's still there. It's attached to a bowling alley and it's in out a suburb of Detroit, a Clinton township. And um I've played there a lot. And uh and and um someone's calling Jeff Foxworthy a redneck. Now this this bowling alley because it was such a huge hit with the comedy club and the bowling alley. And by the way, you would have to time your jokes like you'd be in the middle of a joke and all of a sudden you're <laughs> So you, like you tried to get it right before the, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. you're trying to get it to get another it strike, please. And so he, so this guy's calling him a redneck, and he, and he goes, uh, "I'm a redneck." He goes, "You might be a redneck. You got a bowling alley with valet parking." And then I was on like, "Ping, ching, ching, money oh, just coins <laughs> fell from the ceiling. It's just dollars." Oh, gee, he dollars. calls his wife. We're going to be able to finally afford Chick Fil A. It's like, honey, let's get a jet. Yeah, yeah. owns a lot of Chick Fil A. Most of Chick Fil A, that guy. No way, really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Blaine Kapatch, uh, who's a great comedian and a very funny writer, uh, wrote on the Blue Collar uh, Comedy Show. (laughs) 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 
<laughs> this is more and more like that episode of The Office when the, they're giving out the Dundies. <laughs> I don't. Th- this is the American Office. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. And uh, did you ever see that? Anyone? I, yeah, so. I did. And Dwight's uh, manning the uh, sound effects, oh. and he's like, <laughs> wah, wah, wah. like at all the wrong times and stuff. Oh man, <laughs> we ripped off a, an episode we never seen. <laughs> so, so I'll go continue. Oh, but like, yeah, he said like, uh, you know, like he would like when you know every Friday he'd bring just a bunch of Chick Fil A in for everybody to eat. And he's like, why is he always bringing in Chick-fil-A? And he's just like, oh, he owns like m- the majority stock of Chick-fil-A. Really? Yeah. And does he just like... That's where get, most of his money comes from. But does he majority get to go stock. in there and say, uh, uh, come on, I'm Jeff Foxworth, give me some help, uh, help me out. I'm the, I'm the, I own you? <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he should. But like there was another thing where it's like, uh, it's like he's always really friendly and fun with all the writers and stuff like that. And then like one time his son got in trouble and then like had to, like was sent to the, like his office. And like uh, he's like he's like all right guys I'll see you in a little bit and then he saw Jeff Jeff Foxworth like, like face just go straight and then go and talk to his son <laughs> real sternly he's like oh yeah he's a shitty southern dad he's so just like this shitty <laughs> but he I mean that would make sense though because I, I believe he's Christian and then the the Chick Fil A is yeah very Christian know, yeah. A, a, the anti homosexuals yeah thing is like I mean I think it's interesting how how much you. <laughs> you know, there's people who would go and eat there once they learned about that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. Sarah Palin was made a big, yeah, yeah, a huge deal about it. Like, a bunch of people. There was lines of people on the one on Sunset, even of people just because yeah. a lot of people were just like, you know, they they're not saying it's because they like they're against gays. They're saying they have a right to freedom of speech. That's yeah. why I'm here. Also, I hate gays, but don't tell anybody that. Yeah, yeah. I just ate there because nothing washes the taste of semen out of your mouth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I have a very self-loathing gay friend who was like, "Look, it's a good sandwich." <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, my friend tried to do this thing. She's like, "If you, it's like she's like, no one can deny that the sandwiches are really good. If you get something from Chick Fil A, just make sure you find out the exact amount you spent, and then go and in Chick Fil in Chick Fil A's name, donate money to a, a homosexual cause." But I, I think it's it's uh, I I don't know I mean I I can't understand why in this day and age anybody would really care about you know uh, I it, when I was in Virginia there was people just saying you know well now that they now that they're going to get married I hope they start supporting. <laughs> Country. <laughs> oh Jesus! <laughs> what are you talking? About? You know what's crazy? When D and I were in Paris, uh, the guy we were renting uh, our apart the apartment we were staying at from, like, uh, he was like, uh, "Yeah, you know, it's it's gonna there's gonna be a lot of protests today." And we're like, "Oh, for what?" And he's like, "Well, you know, my wife is heading down there, you know, right now." And we're like, "Like, what is it for?" He's like, "You know, like a uh, gay marriage." Uh, and we're like, "We're like, we're like, oh wow, it's like you know, it's like, is it trying to get passed?" He's like, "No, it's already passed. It's like you know, we're all going out there to protest it." And it was like tons and tons and tons of French people trying, like, protesting against the socialist government for like allowing gay marriage to happen. Wow. Yeah, and then we're like, but you're French. Yeah, no, <laughs> you guys are no, no. gay anyways. <laughs> yeah, that's um, yeah, you know, they're they're they have a, a you know, there's there's riots lot, actually just happened. Yeah, there's a lot of really super conservative stuff going down in France, which yeah, very anti-immigrant uh, yeah. government. Yeah. And it's 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 my narcissism is going to bring it back to me. 
God Bless America actually played very well in France. Really? It, it, it like, yeah, it was in theaters. It, it was uh, huh. a, a minor indie hit, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and I originally thought it was just because it's you know people shooting Americans, right. <laughs> you know, dumb Americans <laughs> getting killed. But um, but it was because of that, you know. It was pointed out to me. They go, no, no, no. We have our, our same kind of, of 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 conservative and reactionary kind of uh, thing going on right now. So, oh wow, that's crazy. Uh, we're gonna break for a song, and then when we come back, we'll wrap it up. Sound good to me? Sound good to you? This is uh, "Know My Name" by the Small Multiples.
That was Know My Name by Small Multiples. They are one of the first people to send in a song to Jonah Radio. Fun fact. Fun fact. <laughs> the more you know. You ever do one of those, Bob? <laughs> no, no, no. I uh, They weren't out when I had to do my PSAs. <laughs> did you have to do PSAs? When I had to. Yeah. You, uh, anti-arson PSAs? I did. And, uh, and uh, I mean, I t- do jokes about it in my stand-up, but the, the real story is way sadder because... Um, that was part of my i was i had uh, probation for 4 years but um but i had it cuz i said that the night you on fire but but <laughs> I, no, I, I i and we know this like this is like yeah, yeah, story, you're but young, to the listeners you're young that kids, might be, they don't know that yeah, but, yeah. yeah. tell it to the to, to the fetuses out uh, there they could uh, look it up but i uh, <laughs> no but but the part i do want to tell is that will be the scoop was the part where uh my <laughs> i did the commercial about fire safety is super embarrassing. It was like I had to go. Hi, I'm Bobcat Goldthwait. I can switch you, back bro. and forth. You won't be able to find it. And and, and, uh, and they go, but if you're seriously injured in a fire, you can't. Something like that, right? And yeah. I was too snarky or something because the the fire marshal of Burbank uh, actually. Uh, made me redo it like days later i had to go back in and, like i love the fact that the burbank fire marshal even wants to direct like yeah. he goes you know you just I, didn't capture what i was going I, yeah i needed like a nine or ten and you just phoned it in you know was, uh, you gave me like a three so yeah so i had to redo it did you find it or? i don't know it's it's I, think uh, it, I don't think so i mean I've only ran into one person that ever saw that. No, that's just me talking about yeah, it. Yeah. What year was it? I'm trying to remember if I saw it I'm guessing cartoons. like 94 or something like that. Uh, it would have been late for me. But uh, yeah, so I had to do uh, PSAs and um, yeah, I, none of those are it. Damn it. I yeah, I've that. only ran into one person that, that had seen it, which Wait, hold is on. pretty funny. What, you think you found it? That sounded really aggressive. So you think you found it? <laughs> you did it? No, but like, like, you know, me setting the Tonight Show on fire doesn't exist because NBC or Leno or whatever just yanked it off. It doesn't exist online. You yeah. and Fear from Saturday Night Live in 1982. What's that? Fear. It was Fear, right? Oh, that doesn't exist. Yeah, I know. Do they put that? You yeah, can't you can't. I even went to. I remember when I I had always read about that, and then when I first heard about the uh, Museum of Television and Radio, did you look it up? I went to. Is, a, it, is that when they dove in the audience and stuff? It, that, well, uh, they just had they had all the kids from DC, all the, like the hardcore kids. So sure. it's like Ian, Ian McKay and, yeah. and you know everyone from like Martha Red and Rise of Spring and all those bands, Teen Idols, and they all came up because like you know what like <laughs> what the people heard at, uh, in New York were like, oh, well, they're all straight edge. Like they're, they're right. we'll get some. We don't want these dirty New York punks. We'll get these kids <laughs> that don't do drugs or drink. And then like the thing is, thing you always gotta know about straight edge is that they're always way more aggressive right. than aggro. <laughs> and um, and so like yeah, they came up and then they just started like moshing and storming and breaking the stage and smashing right. pumpkins. Oh, oh. And, um, uh. <laughs> and like and John Belushi yeah, runs out and does it also. Yeah. Breaks things. Oh, yeah. oh wow! So, so that's, have, it wasn't eighties; it must have been seventies. Yeah, that would be 70s. no. It was uh, it was eighty, I it believe. Was 80. Oh, it really? was he was already gone. He came back. Oh, because uh, he loved the band. Because he, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that would make sense. But I, I, uh, I graduated in eighty. So man, that's crazy. Yeah, like SNL when I was a kid was. It wasn't even carried in my hometown. Like I, I had to watch it from other cities' feeds on cable and stuff. Really? Wow. Yeah, because they were going, ah, eh, you know, this isn't going to pan out. You know, 
<laughs> like thirty five years later. Well with bowling for dollars late night. Yeah, I um, I remember I went. I met with Lauren Michaels a million years ago, and I was just such to a, be on the show. Yeah, and I was such a cocky douchebag to him. You know what I mean? I really was. But he Did wanted he you as a, as a host or a, as a cast member. Cast member meeting, and he was just like, burr, 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 burr. He, he did say to me, he goes, well, you know, if you do my show, you won't be something about like I couldn't go on Letterman, and and it was just when it was that year he had come back, and he he actually did after Gene Domian. fix it, you yeah. know, and save it, and and I was like. I said something shitty like, you know, oh, that, that's that's too bad because I think Letterman's funny. You know, <laughs> I'm such an asshole. Like, I, I don't know. I, I just thought I was going to be the new Belushi probably subconsciously. Yeah. And then, and then, like, I really, you know, if you don't like Dice Clay back in the day, you, you were like, Labeled as if like you didn't have a sense of humor or that you were pro censorship or this and that. And it's like, no, I really liked comedy, and then to have it just dumbed down so much, yeah, and be homophobic and be misogynistic was just—it wasn't offensive to me. It was like you took this thing I looked up to and liked and shit on it, yeah, you know. So, so, uh, so Dice Clay was hosting Saturday Night Live, and we were doing comic relief. And then Lauren Michaels books Dice Clay during Comic Relief. Like, he was, like, kind of competing with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Instead of having, like, wrestling on that, that you know, <laughs> you know I mean, it was just weird. You know, it just felt like it was a slam. So I sent a funeral wreath to Lauren Michaels that he said, <laughs> in loving memory of intelligent comedy on SNL. Oh, oh shit. Wow. I don't think I've ever told that story. Yeah. So, so, wow. Yeah. So, so yeah. I guess I've done a lot of weird things. <laughs> yeah. What was earlier? You mentioned, you know, like when you were talking about the Bowie thing and how, like, you there were a lot of things that you got so close to that could have like been huge that you ended up. Like, yeah. You know, I mean, like if I did it the opposite way, you know, if I went in and told Lauren Michaels that you know his show reinvented comedy, you know, what I mean, and <laughs> done that kind of thing, he probably could have got on yeah. it, or, or or at least not, you know, just been a dick. Yeah, I was an asshole. Yeah. What, are there any other ones that stick out in your head? Um. Well, I mean, we're talking about setting the Tonight Show on fire, and people think about that, and I, I mean, really, if we break that down, that was really just because I had gone on that show. And did really well, and 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 then they had me right back immediately, and it was really kind of clear that I could probably go on that show a lot, and that back then that still meant if you got on the show a lot, you probably were going to go get, you know, at least get a show on the air or yeah. do something, and, and the idea of that terrified me and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And it's there was, but it actually ended up being uh, being the conduit to a very funny episode of Larry Sanders show. Yeah, I mean, but again, my heroes were growing up were were you know was the Sex Pistols and Keith Moon and stuff like that, you know. And I remember seeing this thing when Python was on the Mike Douglas show, and they just you know they just were tackling each other. And just, it was just mayhem, you know. Yeah. And it's like I you know I I think comedy just got is so uh, sometimes so safe and stuff, mm -hmm. you know why. Why can't you shit on the form of stand up? Why why can't you question that? Why why you know you know these these comedy Nazis out there now who just you know sit there and they you know dissect it and uh, who is it that said that the other day? Somebody said the uh, you know there's people who talk about comedy and then there's people who are funny. 
You know? Yeah. Uh, you know, I mean, that's, the, <laughs> you know, I, 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 it drives me nuts. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why one of my favorite comics right now is Rory Scovel, just because he's, you know, a guy that's doing stand-up comedy, but it's it's just kind of messing with the idea of stand-up comedy at the same time as being stand-up comedy. Right. And, well, I wonder if there will ever be like the equivalent of what Steve Martin did when I was a kid, you know, where parents and kids and everybody were into it and it yeah. was just this huge phenomenon, you know. I, I don't know if that would ever happen again. No, I don't think yeah. at that level. It doesn't seem like much can happen at that level, but at the same time, you're never really going to know what will come out and yeah. break big. It's harder now. I think it's harder now because the spectrum of like what's, well, you know, like, Comedy can get super dirty right now. Yeah. And then there's like safe stuff and there's a section of the population that's like, nah, I'm only into the like the edgy whatever. So there's kind of like a dividing line. Yeah, I think there's a a guy like closing the gap on that I think is uh John Mullaney, just because he's such right. a solid comedian yeah. that he, you know, like he's like clean, but it doesn't really make a difference that he's clean or dirty or right. edgy or anything like that. Right, but there won't be mania behind him yeah yeah i mean i know him and he's funny he's yeah. really funny but i mean i i don't know if we'll ever have a comic that had mania and i also think it's funny like this this how people there's so many stuff i grew up with like like if i said i liked andy kaufman i, I people get mad at me really I, not 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 a couple everybody <laughs> wow they hated andy kaufman they wow. they you know they voted him off of snl that's right forgot. yeah people hated him I mean, now people who remember him or heard of him or talk about him talk about him with esteem, but they people hated him, and and the same thing with just like just like the bands that now people hold up. It's just so funny to see like a CBGB's T-shirt or a Moan shirt. You know what I mean? It's just like <laughs> it was just like I remember we were just ridiculed for the taste of music that we liked, and it wasn't just because we were outcasts. It was just so threatening. Yeah. It was yeah. terrifying to these you know to people who listen to journey and all that stuff when we were kids <laughs> yeah. you know and now it's just so weird how i don't know it's just like all of a sudden journey comes back and i'm like no no it wasn't good the first time <laughs> yeah. stop it yeah you know it's uh it's crazy i was watching tv the other night and there was a, a rum a commercial for some a sailor jerry rum and it was a misfit song yeah. Uh, as the, oh sure, sure, yeah, yeah. yeah and it's yeah. like you know, I know we're really past, far past the time. Like I remember when everyone freaked out when there was a uh, Led Zeppelin song on a like it was a Mercedes Cadillac. commercial, Cadillac, Cadillac and it was in the nineties, right? Yeah. And I was like, fucking, or no, no, it was like early two thousands. Yeah. I remember everyone coming. I was working at the record I was store. Old enough to go. Oh my god, they paid them so much. Money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I, I was yeah. working at the record store, and guys kept on coming in. They're like, "Did you hear that Led Zeppelin song on a Mercedes or a Cadillac?" Everyone was blown away by I it. I think though, like for the most part, it doesn't ruin a song for me, but sometimes it does. And yeah, it's, it's the uh, what was it the the the, the song you know uh, on an Eminem's thing or something, and and and, and, it, and it really does. Like when it comes up on my wife's iPod, I gotta go boop because it's just I just. <laughs> see m&ms man yeah it works, and, and i'm not blaming them but yeah. it's just yeah. kind of funny you know uh when different songs will come up and you and it's just like hey, hey, talk about tom petty i mean you, i I, I can't separate American Girl from uh, Fast Times at Richmond High. No, <laughs> yeah, you know from uh, uh, Silence of the Lambs. I mean, it's just impossible. It's just impossible. <laughs> yeah, it really is. Yeah, you know? 
I want. I hope I've ruined some songs for some people. Yeah. <laughs> Maybe under pressure for people. Um, uh, for world's greatest dad. That'd be really great. But you know, it's kind of funny. Sometimes I'll, I'll use a song that's a classic rock song, and and people go, "Well, that's played out" or something, and I'm I, and I won't be aware of it. You know, yeah. I'm sure there's a lot of movies that used that song, but I needed a song that you know, like that was weird. Like when you write it, a movie, and in. You know, if you've seen World's Greatest Dad, there's a kid who tries to use the lyrics of that song as a piece of poetry, and then yeah. Robin's character busts him and says, "That's you know a David Bowie Queen song." And and um, so that was nervous when you have such small budgets as I have. You're going, are we going to get this song or not? Yeah, you know, how many times am I going to shoot the scene where he's doing the lyrics from something <laughs> a little more? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this is a song yeah. Mojo Nixon did. Yeah. <laughs> I think we can get Mojo, but uh, you know, so yeah. <laughs> it's really, you really need I, him. I can get him. Get him for it. I, yeah, really, I really did that in a creative writing class in high school. I read. Did you really song lyrics from a song that I knew that no? One what was the song? It was a, a shellac song called uh, uh, "Rambler." Oh, really? This guy yelling about this shitty car in his front yard. We, I had that in high school where it was it was somebody else, but uh, I went to a Jesuit school, so we the classes taught by priests. We're started with a prayer, and somebody raised his hand and said, "Hey, can I, can I lead today's prayer?" And he went up and he read, "God, I can't remember what. I think it was an Aerosmith song. I think he read <laughs> <laughs> Crazy by Aerosmith. Well, not even like old oh, Aerosmith, really? but like nineties. Oh, and it was an eighty-five-year-old priest. And he's like, was, that was very nice. Of it you. wasn't suck on my big ten-inch. Get <laughs> <laughs> a grip. He was old, but he wasn't yeah. that old. Get a grip, not um, ignored. <laughs> thanks, thanks." Uh, there is a um, there is a weird thing that happened today uh, where um, I happened to be in the same room as uh, Steve Jones Jonesy from Sex sure, Pistols. of course, yeah. And like uh, he, we had him on the Nerds podcast once, and he saw him. I was like, "Hey, how's it going?" He's like, "Oh, hey, mate." And uh, he, he kind of was like, "Well, I don't know you." And I was like, "Yeah, well, we, <laughs> I was on the Nerds podcast before." He's like, "No, yeah, it's yeah, I see you interviewing people on TV last night," and I was like. Uh, um, I know that feeling. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh. I don't have the good soundboard. Oh, and I was like, uh, yeah, I know that's a, that's the that's that thing of like go, having to go. Oh no, 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 that's not a it's not a pink dildo in my ass. It's a blue dildo. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's like yeah. trust me, you know yeah, the I pink was, one has artistic integrity. Yeah, like, I was, <laughs> like I was about to say something about like you know when you have a song and then it ends up on a commercial and it's tainted and it's just yeah. like yeah. Mm, yeah, it tastes leaves a taste of a Snickers in your mouth. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> A delicious, delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's so, you know, it doesn't. Here's the thing: where everybody is going to eventually sell out. I sold out at the beginning of my career. You know what I'm yeah. saying? But sooner or later, everybody's going to do their talking chipmunk movie. I don't, I don't yeah. give a fuck <laughs> who, who you are. You know, it's just the reality. Yeah, I never, you know, because. I never expected to be a guy in any of those things. I never thought that was a possibility. So, like, you know, I had a pretty hard stance on just like, I'm like, not me, man. You know, <laughs> and then for it to happen and work out and monetarily, it's like there's a bit of like dirty feeling in it. You know, just to, is it hip, for me, it's more hypocritical than it's dirty. Yeah, I think that's to me, but you know, it's not like a, you know, like a motor oil or like it's a search engine. There's nothing really politically that you can go like, oh, man, I really No, but it's like I, and you know, the thing is, Microsoft's not the you know, they're not 
in as they're like a lot less evil than Apple. Nike. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're a lot less evil than Nike. But look at all know. the all the all the you know gates. You know what is it like billions Bill- he's turned into to yeah you know he does a lot. He gives a lot. He's back. the biggest all, he all of it. Yeah. yeah, it's yeah. all he does. He just gives so, money yeah. to really good causes. And he'll give you a hundred. No, he'll give you a million dollars if you can make a condom feel better. That's a true thing. He has a grant out now. If you can make a condom feel better on a dick, he will give you a million dollars. <laughs> that's how he says it, too. I'm Bill Gates. If you can make a condom feel better on a dick, I'll give you one million dollars. <laughs> and then he throws how the mic down. How does it have to feel? Then he throws, <laughs> then he throws the mic down. considering quitting my job. And he says, God bless. I can make it feel better. Just cut <laughs> off the end. <laughs> I mean, is it gonna, does it have to work? I think it still has to work. Oh, it has to work. Uh, uh, there's yeah. the caveat. Yeah. Oh, there's yeah. the loophole. Make it out of a vagina. <laughs> 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 I don't have my meal that oh, sorry, Neil. Um, I do want to. I you know I I want I want you to tell us one story if you can real quick, and then we'll and then we'll say goodbye. Uh, but it is uh, it, it's the story when you went to go visit uh, your buddy Mork on the set of Hook. Oh, okay. talking about like yeah, yeah, yeah. talking about like commercialism and like you well, know selling okay. out. Okay, or- so 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 I had met Shakes the Clown and. Uh, uh, you know, and nobody was going to distribute it. I know, Pasha, an alcoholic clown movie, finding it hard to get distributed. So I took it down <laughs> to what was the Sony lot at the time. And um, and uh, I had a park a million miles away, and I'm actually carrying the film cans myself. So, you know, they weigh, I don't know, 50 pounds or 40. I mean, they're fucking heavy. And I'm sweating as I go all the way through the lot, and I get to the projection booth where this guy from Sony's going to watch it. And, uh, the movie plays for about five minutes, and I say, well, instead of driving all the way back home to the valley, I'm going to just, I'll just hide in the projection booth. And so five minutes into the movie, and the guy just goes, turn it off. Ugh. And uh, and uh, the uh, projectionist goes, what did he say? And, and again, my attitude, my ego, you know, I go, I think he said, turn it up. And uh, so he turns the movie up louder, and he's like, I said, turn it off! And the, this guy might as well have been puffing a cigar when I retell the story, you know? Yeah. So he exits, and now we got to re-spool my movie, and then I'm carrying it through the lot. And, and Robin is doing Hook, so there's two sound stages with... And I think the, the, the boat, you know, is like... Uh, you know, the, there was a, a a pirate boat in water. There's you know mermaids. Yeah, you know, it's huge. It's a huge set. It's the biggest set I've ever seen in my life. And and uh, and I went out with Nikki Cox. Bam. So uh, <laughs> so so uh, so we were we we're on the <laughs> we're on the lot, and uh, and the guy says. Um, so 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 Robin's like, oh, you know, you should come by, you know. And, I, and so, <laughs> so, so so I come by. And I, I, it's just like Willie Loman, you know. Will you? It's important to be liked. Will you buy my my brushes? Will you buy my movie? And uh, so it's Spielberg, Robin, and I, and um, Spielberg, and Robin and I are joking around as we are are to do, and then um, we make a joke about vitamins, and then Spielberg kind of just. First of all, Spielberg goes, "You two guys together that that would be that would be something." And I'm like, "Yeah, like I'm the holdout, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, you know, I already look like a pirate. They don't put me in. I got a beard, you know." So, so, uh, so then, <laughs> Robin and I make a joke about vitamins, and then and then Spielberg doesn't miss a beat, and he just goes over to a guy standing next to him, some sort of flunky, and he goes, 
we need tiny tune vitamins. We don't have tiny tune vitamins. And I go, yeah, what's the sense of having, you know, a cartoon if you're not getting some back end of the vitamins? <laughs> Something like that. No, no. What, what's the sense of your kids taking vitamins if you're not getting some of the back end? That's what I said. <laughs> Spielberg just stops smiling and he looks at me and he goes, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun. <laughs> and that was the that was that was that was the end. Uh, it was just like try to make a couple more jokes. It was just super funny. awkward. But yeah, that again, Steven Spielberg, uh, uh, a guy who I think is um, connected in the business, probably would have been good to become a friend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But you know, so if any I, of that I stuff was, had worked out, you want to be right here, right now. No, I wouldn't be in this garage. So I think it all worked <laughs> out pretty well. I, 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 when I was working on the WB, there was this thing where they were saying uh, that I I couldn't make jokes about the show, basically, uh, which is crazy, you know. But yeah. that was they were concerned with that. They tried to put it in language in the contract, and then uh, my manager at the time, everyone's like, "You can't, you can't stifle what he's going to say." It was a big deal, so. Um, so then the show, we're doing the second episode or, or, or the, I don't know. And then the guy who runs the network makes some joke about me in the press. <laughs> and then I, I said, uh, I told him I was going to kick him in his cunt when he came to the set. <laughs> God. No. And I said I was going to kick him in his cunt because I was, th- I go, hey, I saw what you said about me. I, I should kick you right in the cunt. Because I was like going, well, what could I say that I can't get sued for? Because he doesn't have a cunt. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but meanwhile, here's the guy who runs the network. Why do I do that? Like, if if the craft service guy said, I worked with Bobcat, he was an asshole, I, I would cry. I would actually cry. <laughs> I really would. I would be so yeah. upset if the guy who worked with me said I was a jerk. That would crush me. But then as soon as the guy who runs the network, it's just some sort of Tourette's. Yeah. <laughs> Physically threatened the poor man. <laughs> because he could help me. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's it. why I physically yeah. threaten him. So, so now I just go off and make my own little movies and and do and you know tens of hundreds of people see them. And the world <laughs> is better for it. We want to thank our guest Valkyrie Goldwing. We've had a lot of fun talking. Have you? What's that? <laughs> no, I just was listening to the jam. Yeah, yeah. I this saw is a dude older so. than me rocking out to "I Want to uh, Rock and Roll All Night" <laughs> oh, <laughs> today no. in traffic. The uh, to the <laughs> Deanna. Uh, That's such a good jam. If so uh, it's best, God best song gave rock and roll. I know it's so fucking great. <laughs> okay, let's say there is a deity running the universe. <laughs> <laughs> he said, uh, "Age cure or rock and roll? <laughs> I'm gonna give him rock and roll." But who will let them know? <laughs> <laughs> we need kills. <laughs> um, like the I want to rock and roll nine party every day. There's that you know that that part where it's uh. It goes like yeah. There's like it goes like it. Um, there's that drum break, and then all of a sudden you just hear him go woo, like that weird little thing. <laughs> so if like if that song's ever on the radio, I and I hate that song so much. I'm always about to turn it, and Deanna won't let me turn it until, until that woo. part. Until the woo until part. The woo? She's like, it's so lame. It's Have just like I a saw, huge show, and he's like, I, woo. I saw one of their first reunion tours. Right, I mean, it was the real Peter Chris and, and and Paul Stanley. I mean, I'm, Paul Stanley and Gene Simmons are always in it, but. So uh, Paul Stanley comes out, and they're in Tucson. He goes, he's like, the Tucson Fire Marshal said we can't do the show we normally do. But you can stop rock and roll, but you can't stop kills. 
And then these fire cannons went off, right? Oh, shit. And then uh, the next night in Phoenix, you know, the Phoenix Fire Marshal said, we can't be <laughs> You can stop rock and roll, but you can't stop kids. Uh, I was like, gosh, these fire marshals, it's like a trail of broken hearts. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, man. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rob, for joining us. Thank you, Adam, for hanging out and being a good source of inspiration. Neil? Sorry about my uh, interlude into the evening episode. Yeah, and the cash. Hey! Go to jash.com for all your cash needs. Uh, Jash Cash. Cash Jash. Cash Jash. Comedy Week at YouTube. It's over. Oh, it's over? Yeah. No. Sorry. Can you turn my mic um, no. All right. Well, uh, we're going to end the song. And a song I was actually just telling uh, Bobcat about last night. You, you have a great idea for a movie, a sad movie about an old man and a cat. Yeah. And I told you about one of my favorite Weaker Than songs. And it's called uh, A Plea from a Cat Named Virtue. And it's, uh, it's a great song. It's, uh, it's sung from the perspective of a cat. So uh, please do enjoy it. If you've liked everything on the show, go out and buy those bands. Uh uh, music, go see them live. Uh, go to bluecollardistro.com to buy any any Jonah radio shirts you want. Uh, not yet. And uh, and then, yeah. And then uh, at Jonah Radio on Twitter. And yeah, uh, at Bobcat Goldthwait oh, on the old Instagram. Yeah, yeah. Grandpa's on the Instagram. Grandpa's on the gram. Grandpa's on the gram. <laughs> Oh yeah, and thanks to the hundreds for giving uh giving me some clothes. I am gonna I swear I will lose the weight and I'll fit into them. I swear. <laughs> they are good looking tanks. <laughs> I have some tank tops. Uh, Spaghetti straps. Uh, apologies for the first episode. Thanks for listening. Why don't you ever want to play? I'm tired of this piece of string. You sleep as much as I do now, and you don't eat much of anything. I don't know who you're talking to. I made a search through every room. But all I found was dust that moved in shadows of the afternoon. And listen, should open up the house Invite the tabby two doors down You could ask your sister if She doesn't bring her basset hound Ask the things you shouldn't miss Tape hiss in the modern man Cold War and card catalogs To come and join us if they can For curly drinks and parlor games We'll pass around the easy life Of absolutely no regrets And later maybe you could try To let your losses dangle off The sharp edge of a century we'll Talk about the weather or How the weather used to be Cater With all the birds that I can kill Feathers fell to some more in the middle. Lie down and lift the sorrow.
Don't stop the self-defeating lies you've been repeating since the day you brought me home. I know you're strong. Now leaving Nerdist.com.